0: Welcome to the 69th episode of the Nerdum and Other Nonsense Anime Podcast. Today we are covering the 7th week of the Fall 2018 anime season. As always, we include timestamps in the description of the YouTube video and podcast feed if you only want to hear about one or two specific shows, since we will be spoiling everything. My name is Leo, and I know you've been on pins and needles about this, but worry no more. I have been cast as Spike in the Netflix live-action Cowboy Bebop as you all know, I love the type of woman who can kick my ass. Also with me are Beacom and Kat.
1: <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> What's up? No lie. I'm,
0: I'm, I'll be honest, I'm probably too short to be Spike Spiegel. <laughs> he's, he's kind of a tall character. <laughs> he's lanky, but is he really tall? I guess
2: he's kind of tall. He's tall. Yeah, he's, he's tall. He's <laughs> tall. Yeah. Cat bringing uh, the sickness down with the sickness don't mention
1: it then he can't cut it out as easy leo that's true now i have to keep that
0: cough in for everybody here it'll be great Uh, so how about some nonsense from you guys this week what's been going on
2: uh so on my quest to watch more naruto which is continuing i have made it to the end of the first arc and into the very beginning of the tuning exam arc so i'm like 21 episodes in uh, and land of waves was really good. Uh, the whole showdown with Haku and Zabza, and like the
0: yeah, ice mirrors that's and stuff—that's like
1: one of the best arcs in my opinion. It was really like, good. What's better than that? That's pretty damn amazing. Pain arc. Okay,
0: my favorite.
2: No. <laughs> also, these guys named Rock Lee and Gara just got introduced, and they seem to like really like each other a lot. I think they're just gonna be best friends. So.
0: I'm excited to see that uh friendship develop over time. Gar Gara's pretty awesome. He g- he gets a bunch of cool fights.
1: Weirdly enough, they do kind of become friends like way later. Like way after. Weirdly enough, they are kind of friends. That's like cool. they're very friendly. And you're like, oh, you almost killed each other. Isn't <laughs> it sweet? <laughs>
2: I would say spoilers, but like I've heard about this stupid fight for so long. That is ridiculous. So yeah,
1: <laughs> it's like look at you guys now. Look at you.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's really all like my nonsense for the week. I, I was too busy
0: with other stuff to get up to any more nonsense.
2: Yeah.
1: I, uh, well, I, I mean, I I just I'll go ahead, Leo.
0: I was gonna say I I I don't have anything. I've just it's just been work. Come back home. Go back to work. Just boring, boring work week so far. Oh yeah. But in three weeks I yeah. get a week off. So how about that? Woo! That's exciting. <laughs> that
1: is exciting. That is that for well, Christmas? Go, uh,
0: yeah, Christmas and New Year's. So I'll be nice. playing a lot of uh, Destiny 2 and uh, Red Dead, <laughs> which I'm at like 32%, mm. which is crazy because I've already put a bunch of hours into it.
2: <laughs> oh, Red Dead? Wow. Yeah. How, you're liking that?
0: Yeah, it's, it's really fun. I loved Skyrim. Mm-hmm. I never played the other Red Dead. So, like, I say, if you like Skyrim, you'll like this one. Um, It's. Okay, oh, wait, no, wait. What?
1: I have a question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How many hours did you say you've put into this so far?
0: Red Dead? uh i could actually look it up but it'd take me a minute but uh no i spot it for thanksgiving break so i spent thursday evening all day friday all day saturday all day sunday and then monday and tuesday and yeah monday tuesday evening playing so definitely i've definitely probably hit 40 hours
2: yeah that's that's around where i am because i'm also around 30 percent in I, I haven't played for a few weeks now i've been meaning to get back to it but uh yeah
0: yeah it's a great game <laughs> yeah it's very fun yeah it is a huge uh it's it's not really like it's complicated to do stuff or things are difficult it's really more like you're controlling a story it's like mm-hmm. it's like there's the books where you would read and uh you would choose your story as you went in your past and that's basically what red dead is so like it's like sitting okay. down and like being in control of like a movie kind of basically mm-hmm. i feel like so yeah
1: Well, the only reason I ask is like I'm measuring everything in hours right now because I just started, I recently started studying for the CPA exam and each one of those sections is recommended you spend 200 hours studying for it. Oh, wow. And so when you said 40 hours, I was like, that's like a fourth of, of an exam. (laughs)
0: Like
1: he could have, he could have done four of those and taken an exam.
2: Yeah. He's almost an expert at Red Dead. Like just you know exactly 160 Man. more hours to go.
0: Yeah, if you want to talk about hours, though, original Destiny One, I had like 1500 some, mm-hmm. and my buddy Kyle mm-hmm. had like three. I think he may have been hitting 5000 at one point. I don't know. It was just it was insane how much we put into that Man. game. Man, yeah, we could definitely pass oh the CPG gosh. exam, the certified the certified yeah.
3: personal You could probably guardian.
1: pass like you could probably pass like the CPA. Like you could you could like pass the bar. Probably yeah. too exactly.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. I can answer about any time. question you have about D one, except for some of the really deep lore. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, somebody, I, perf- <laughs> I prefer D two, some... the Mighty Ducks. So oh god, <laughs> but there is somebody in the Destiny community who's like specialized in that, and that's my name is Bife, So oh yeah, he started uh, anyway, making
2: videos again recently. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. He he t- he took a vacation, which is cool. Uh, you guys ready to get started? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Take All us right. away, Cat.
1: Okay, so our first one is Girl in Twilight. Since we ditched uh double decker. Yes. Darn. Okay. <laughs> At
0: least you're oh, somebody's oh, I'm, happy I'm about
1: it. <laughs> I mean, I'm thrilled. So okay, episode seven of twelve. You have All to right. pronounce
0: this perfectly. Better be perfect. The Kat. sad
1: part is I took like three three years of French. I can't say this worse
2: shit. Oh really?
1: <laughs> so simple. <laughs> Tune tu ne pas so. I that's, don't fucking that's know. That's pretty
2: close, actually. Yeah. tune pas so. <laughs> yeah. Way better so, than I can yeah, do. Okay, there we go. <laughs> you are not <laughs> there, alone see? in French.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So it repeats the part at the beginning of the episode where Chloe's like trying to send these letters out via drone about the white goat. And she's like, I'm going to warn you all, like the white goat is evil. We have to get rid of the white goat. And that's that like electronic system that runs all the islands and Chloe knows that the others aren't getting her letters and she can't easily get to their islands in the small boat that she has. And so she's like, I'm going to do something about this myself. But I think that that's the island version of Chloe, like doing all of this before the switch, like before she became regular Chloe.
2: Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, that could be.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Uh, yeah, they didn't make it clear, but I feel like that's a flashback.
0: Oh, so, I, I, well, no, not with what happens at the end of the episode. Yeah, I think it's not with what happens Chloe. at the end. Yeah, yeah.
1: Who knows? Yeah, it, they didn't make it clear, but I feel yeah. So anyway, then it shows Asuka trying to get a letter to Chloe, but the drones aren't delivering stuff to Chloe either because they're like, let's just isolate them. It's safer for us this way. Um. Serious Cat, which is what I call her, mm-hmm. you know, the other Asuka, <laughs> goes to check on Chloe herself in, like, a bigger boat, while Asuka is told to keep an eye on the rest of them. And they're all... Because they've all gotten obsessed with their phones, <laughs> and, like, they didn't sleep all night. And there's this scene where, like, they're all just sitting there in the room, like, they've got dark circles under their eyes. Mew's like... I couldn't miss the special event in gotcha. And I just kept thinking, like, oh, BCom, does that sound familiar?
0: It actually is <laughs> mm-hmm. extremely relevant right now. There I is, wrote, a, yeah. I wrote, I feel you, girl, in my notes because I was like, Jesus, <sighs> I've done this. <laughs> yeah, there's
2: a special Fate Grand Order event going on right now that mm-hmm. uh, finally the character who is, like, Rin Tosaka from Fate... Uh, is in the game in the U S and I got her and I'm very excited about it. So yes. (laughs) nice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. But yeah, no. So I was like, Oh, be calm. And then (laughs) Nana is like, the whole world is waiting to see pictures of me. And I'm like, girl, you look like trash right now. You've got dark circles that a vampire would like laugh at. So (laughs) no one wants to see your face. And then you said she's been shopping because she had like a half off coupon that she could only use now. And I'm just imagining like the island use like savings being slowly depleted, like just (laughs) dying slowly. Yep. But yeah, Chloe finds a video of the other her from this world back on her island. And that version of Chloe says that she, along with the Island U and Island Asuka, developed a virus that can shut down White Goat, but it has to be installed directly into the server. Of course. Um, (laughs) You... tried but like she never came back when she tried and then asuka tried but she was brainwashed apparently yeah. and now she treats all objects like people and they have this like scene yeah. of her on I this like island scene. and there's like a wave that comes and she's like oh no Talson, are you okay and i'm just like oh my god it
0: reminded me of the time i had you do the intro and say that <laughs> you remember <laughs> Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And this like this to me like was the point
2: where I was like, Alright, so this this show is saying that all of these false senses of gratification, like uh mobile games, like shopping, all this stuff is like turning you into like an infant, like literally. Like because like you yeah. don't have to really care about anything else. Everything is taken care of for you and you're just there consuming stuff and being a little baby. And yeah, that that was like That was what Asuka was.
1: Exactly. But yeah, so, yeah, I kind of called that last episode. Like, I knew they were going to go down that road. It was so, uh, yeah. But this world's video of Chloe kind of, like, gives her a copy of the virus. And then regular Chloe is obviously like, all right, we're going to try this out. Um, Meanwhile, Asuka, like, gets the others to snap out of it like she's trying to. She, like, grabs their phones and throws them in the ocean, and then Mia's like, oh, but she only threw away three phones, and you still have your phone, so I'm going to strip search you now. And she starts searching Asuka for her phone, and it gets kind of, like, sexy and weird, and then Arrow, you comes up and is like, "No, I'm the only one who can like molest Asuka," and she <laughs> well, saves Asuka
0: from Mia. He is doing it. She doesn't. She say something like, "Ooh, this part's starting to get sensitive." And You're yeah, like, Asuka's "What?" Like, yeah, no, no, like no, no, nothing is sensitive.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, which <laughs> she can't
2: stop laughing because she's ticklish. <laughs>
1: Exactly. Mm. But then but then Arrow U starts molesting Asuka instead mm-hmm. and is like, Ooh, this part is sensitive too and I'm just like, God damn it. <laughs> and um, then Siriuska comes and like actually saves her and doesn't like start molesting her. And then apparently the waves were too strong and that's why she's back. And then U has an even better boat and Siriuska's like, Oh, okay, i well, I'll go in this boat and you is there's this like interesting scene at this point where you is surprised that her heart skipped a beat and it just just pulls out my point again. You and Asuka have a weird chemistry thing. Like yeah. no matter what versions of themselves they are like, they're weirdly attracted to each other. It's odd. Um, but yeah. So, and then at this point it turns out the other three, they've all snapped out of it. Cause like, I guess the screens are almost like hypnotizing. So because they haven't looked at them for a minute, they're okay now. Um, right. So they all go, they all decide, like, we're gonna go to Chloe's island together at this point. Meanwhile, in Chloe's little world, Chloe has tried to get to White Goat by herself, but her boat is sinking and she loses her phone and she faints, thinking, like, oh, I failed and I'm dying and I'm drowning. But then she wakes up in her room with her video game helmet on. And I guess, like, the idea is that white goat tricked her but this just seems like a weird scene to me like i don't know why they didn't just make it that they go meet up with chloe like i don't no, know why she, they needed this
0: she accidentally got brainwashed when she put the vr on earlier and didn't realize it until the other girls showed up and actually got it off her head yeah. so well, i know had, but like she gotten it, tricked it's
1: see- well i know i know that i'm saying like it doesn't seem like it's a scene that was necessary it, it seems like it kind of was just there i don't know I, just I me.
0: I was kind of impressed by it. I was like, ooh, shit. Because the show then kind of tricked you at the same time. Because you kind of thought Chloe was in the real world. I liked it.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't hate it. I just was like, oh, okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> so they find out, surprise, surprise at this point, that the white goat is a clutter. And Asuka's like, let's go defeat it. And the others are like, yeah, we'll go defeat it with you. Um, and Chloe points out that she has this thing that can help defeat the virus that, that can help defeat the white goat and arrow U is the only one who doesn't come. Like she ditches them again. Like she's always, she's always like ditching them. Once like something happens, she's like, Oh no, I'm, I have no interest anymore.
0: Like <laughs> yeah. she's a flake. Yeah, Well, she's up to something. We just don't know what her motives are yet. And I think that's the big thing is when we eventually find out what her motives are.
1: That's true. But yeah, so they start fighting their way into the compound Chloe, like, runs towards the server while the others fight and distract the machine drones that are attacking them. Um, and I guess, like, the server is underwater, which seems so weird to me. Because, like, what computer is is waterproof? I I don't know. I know it's, like, different worlds and there's different technology, but it seems kind of crazy to me. So there are actually um, a lot
2: of computers that are are cooled, actually, with, like, oil. Not water, Mm -hmm. um, but, like, this special, like, viscous liquid. Basically, you can, like, submerge, like, the entire computer into it. And that can be a way to cool things. Um, There's also, like, computers that are cooled with, like, liquid nitrogen stuff. And there's obviously, like, contained water cooling for computers. But, like, yeah, if you just plunged a bunch of electronic parts, like, in actual water, it would not go very well.
0: Specifically, they're using seawater. And there are data centers around the world that are used... uh, are are using seawater to cool their data center. So like this is a real thing. This oh, okay. the, this wasn't like made up. Yeah, I think there's. I think the biggest one is in like Sweden or something. Well, but Typical they don't Sweden. like
1: actually touch the equipment. I, I'm assuming they just use it to like go against yeah. a wall or something. Yeah, j-
0: just like uh, how a uh, the CPU works in your computer. The uh, that thing. Yeah, it's just, it's by contact through like another material, something mm-hmm. that transfers yeah. that heat very quickly from the cpu to the water yeah that's and that's exactly what what was going on with this so like yeah this is 100 percent real what i saw i didn't see anything not out of context except for maybe the when the slot drive opens and i'm like hmm
1: well <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah i'm gonna start. i'm gonna talk about that in a minute but yeah so chloe jumps in this hole and she's able to become her like twilight self there's like this moment where she has her epiphany that even if she hangs out with the group like she'll never lose her ability to be by herself and like being with the group only makes her stronger and so then she's like ah transform and chloe transforms into her twilight self um and i think her twilight self is like the most disappointing one
0: (laughs) it is weird like you say the weirdest It's weird there was one thing i liked about it that she controlled it like it was more of an exoskeleton an exosuit and she used it with a controller in her hands and i thought that was kind of neat for her <laughs> so she's diva from overwatch is what you're saying
3: <laughs> it, it looks like I someone guess took a I don't clown know about her
1: <laughs> it looks like someone took a clown and they mixed it with an astronaut and then put a teddy bear in there that's what it looks like
2: i thought the like floofy to me. clown part was sort of like a french court jester or something kind of motif i don't fucking know yeah it was weird they were.
1: I, they couldn't decide what they wanted to do. It, it's not flattering. It's not attractive. It looks fucking weird. Um, <laughs> and it has a teddy bear on it. And then the teddy bear talks. Oh yes. I don't he remember does. any of the other fucking uh, Twilight selves having a avatar that talks. <laughs> um, and she has to control it with a remote game controller, which is weird, also. I liked so that so she's able to of course you did Leo what a fucking crazy bastard anyway she's able to dodge all of the columns in this weird room with the with her stupid fucking outfit that's stupid and gay <laughs> cat I, I hated this scene I hated this scene so much I was just like this is surreal I don't know um I kept wanting to make popcorn so I could just throw it at the screen at this point I don't know um the systems keep saying like stop don't do it no (laughs) but then like she she goes to put the virus in the cd slot and and while the program is like don't do it it like easily opens the cd slot and i'm like what the fuck machine don't you have control of your own cd slot like you've you've (laughs) thrown all this other shit at them all these columns and things you can't prevent them from opening your CD slot? Like, they should have had to pull it out.
2: Well, they clearly made a manual override, and yeah, I think uh, the machine had no control over this. That's my theory. Uh,
1: What? Oh, I, I can control a billion things in this building, but I can't control the CD slot.
2: Well, I mean, the whole scene is really an homage to 2001: A Space Odyssey when they shut down the computer HAL 9000, and it's like the same thing where like his fo- uh, the computer's voice starts distorting when the virus gets inserted into it, just like with HAL, where he's like, "You can't do that, Dave," and like, "Please don't, Dave," and stuff like that. Like, it's, it's it just brought me right back to that. So, I, I think they just basically were copying that scene in a lot of ways.
1: Well, I guess I wouldn't know about that now, would well, I? Well, you should.
2: So. Like my dad always says, he <laughs> he's convinced nobody's actually made it through all of 2001 Space Odyssey without falling asleep. So, so <laughs> 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 it's very possible. Uh, yeah.
1: But yeah, so then, like, okay, so they kind of wrap it up quickly at the end. Um, there's a scene where Chloe says the gang from this world will. Build a new system. And Chloe leaves, like, this island's version of herself a message that you are not alone. And then the gang all goes home, I guess. And at the end, you see Chloe inviting the rest to eat on the roof with her, like, in their own world. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I didn't hate this episode, but, like, that fucking scene with Chloe's, (laughs) like, twilight self and then the computer... I was so mad. I was like, "This is dumb." It is <laughs> but the, but dumb. the episode as a whole was okay.
2: Yeah. So, like, what did you guys think about like the message of this episode? Like, do you think like uh, things like mobile games or like getting likes on social media or buying nice things for yourself on like Black Friday, like? Those things make me personally like happy. Like I, I know it's not like permanent happiness, but it does like enhance my happiness. It doesn't like define who I am though, which is I think where the girls went like too far. Like they were just like that was like their entire existence. At the, like that, like, they got ex- obsessed with it, and I think that's bad. But well, I, don't think it's, it's, I think it's all about know. balance, it's supposed right? To be
1: like, you have to way. be, yeah, yeah. You have to be able to walk away from it, like. That gotcha game that you play become you have to be able to look at it and be like I would like to do this right now, but I have other things to do and so I'm not going to. That's like the balance that you have to find. I'm well,
0: working within, on that. Yeah, and well, with marketing, like, uh, uh, you got the coupon that she could only use like within like the first twelve hours she got it or something. So like that's that's a little marketing trick that people do. And then people yeah. look at that and they're like, oh, well, I got to use this now, and then they're spending you know money that they weren't planning on spending in the first place and then there's there's just millions of marketing tricks everywhere like there's there's one i i think the best thing you can do is actually recognize them like there's this one on xbox that i've noticed that like if i want to go and watch go and watch a movie on xbox you go to it they've seen for whatever reason to have hidden the rent button for me hmm. so like rather than paying the five bucks it's like I get frustrated looking around trying to find where the rent button went and instead I could easily purchase it on five different screens for the $21 and like they're expecting me to break down but I used Google and found the goddamn rent button so I could just pay the $5
1: (laughs) you know what Leo I'm like you I'm full of spite and if someone did that shit to me I'd be like you know what I don't need to use you Amazon fuck you and I'd go somewhere else
0: (laughs) Yeah, like marketing is just like it's a it's just a minefield of this stuff. So and like I said, I think just being able to recognize it and knowing you need to like like Kat does go someplace else and try to find the better price or whatever. But that's mm-hmm. that's my bit. Yeah. Marketing is evil. Marketing <laughs> is happens. evil. Yeah, but 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 necessary, I guess. So
2: the one other little thing I like about this episode is during the the fight uh where like Mia and um What's her name? Nana are trying to hold off like the clutter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mia's like spurs like from her cowgirl like uh, uniform, whatever, like flip down and become like roller skates. And she starts skating around. I thought that was really cool. It just looked awesome. <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> OK. Yeah. I was like, that's a cool idea. Oh Speaking okay. of cool ideas, Golden Kamui second season.
0: Man from a man yeah. who hated this show. He now loves it. <laughs> this is the third
2: episode he just had of the movie, which is it. Just
0: fucking awesome. He,
1: he just needed some time to accept the
2: dick jokes. No, That's there are no needed. more dick jokes. They've completely stopped no, the dick there jokes. Are co- what are you hence talking me about? It. This
1: whole episode <laughs> is full of dick do- jokes. Is it? You find oh, I out all kinds of things related to dicks in this episode.
2: Hmm. You're going to have to point them out when I get there because <laughs> I don't remember. Uh. Okay. Okay. So, episode 19 of 24, Kamui Hopunire. So, it turns out that Tanagaki, Inkarma, and Chikapasi, that's a dick joke, were able to find the main group with the help of a pair of Ainu who had hunted down a bear. Uh, and so, these Ainu invited them back to their village for some bear stew and to attend this ceremony. And that's what the name of the episode is, the... Kamui Hopuneri means the setting off of gods, which is a ceremony for uh, sending off a hunted bear. And that's distinct from iomante, which they've discussed earlier in the show, the ceremony for sending off a bear that was raised in captivity, like in the village. Um, so, yeah, Sirpa talks about the relationship between Ainu and their various Kamui as being one between equals. Like, they think uh, of the arrows that they shoot when they're hunting as running into the animals that they hunt as the Kamui are guiding their flight into them. Rather than, like, the animals just, like, running into the path of the arrows they shoot, which is, like, a distinction. They're being helped by the gods, basically. Um and they pay tribute to the bear by giving it things that only they can make, like tobacco and sake. And they believe that these gifts, as well as these Inao shrines that they construct for the bears, become valuable currency to them uh, in the afterlife, the Kamui. So just as like the Ainu value the bear in real life, like the Kamui would value like these offerings. And Sugimoto is like, oh, so gold
0: is still valuable in the afterlife. He's still thinking about the gold, obviously it's it's just crazy how much uh that i respect nature and mm-hmm. what it supplies to them like the last mm-hmm. time you had a hamburger you didn't think two cents about that cow <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's true and
2: in some ways i think it's like a really burdensome way to live but it's also it also like keeps you kind of responsible for what you're consuming and, like, makes you really think about it. Uh, right. And in, in that way, it's actually really probably good for you in a lot of ways. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Serpa is suspicious of Inkramat's plans, but is quickly distracted because Tanagaki delivers the news that her grandmother Huchi uh, saw this dream uh, of, like, you know, impending doom, basically. Uh, Wasn't
0: her dream she'll, she'll never see a Serpa again yeah, before she dies? which I think sh- she
2: assumes that like, yeah. either Serpa's going to die or, the, or Hoochie's going to die. Um, either way, she's depressed now.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, Also, I have to note that CGI bear makes a brief appearance in a flashback because, like, Sugimoto is uh, correcting Ogata and explaining that the the bear killed three men in the mountains and it wasn't Tanagaki who did it, like Ogata like assumed. (laughs) And, God, that bear showed up for, like, half a second on the screen, but it looks so terrible.
0: (laughs) Unbelievable. I don't don't really feel like it looks terrible. I think it looks just, like, so completely Shielded. out of place that <laughs> yeah. like it's it's just super jarring in your mind immediately like <laughs> I think that's away. really <laughs> oh,
2: it was pretty it was funny Um Ogata is not convinced that Huchi's dream actually means she's going to die Uh but Asirpa explains that Huchi is one of the old Ainu who believes that Kamui used dreams as a means to show Ainu something important in the past Huchi had a dream of her daughter Asirpa's mother being surrounded by bears and soon after uh she passed away and so sugimoto asks asirpa if she wants to go back to show her grandmother she's still alive and well but asirpa is pretty hell bent on just continuing with her own quest to find the truth about her father like she can't turn back now
0: the bears are the grim reapers for the high clan <laughs> yeah basically <laughs>
1: that dream was kind of creepy like they like all the bears around her and every, i was like oh fuck i don't want to be in this dream oh yeah if i if i had that dream about me and i was like surrounded by bears i'd be like oh uh, hey guys <laughs> like don't kill me
2: yeah <laughs> i've got Sorry. some money. just for a you. side
1: note <laughs> Yeah, just a side note, that kind of terrified the shit out of me, so...
2: Yeah, that's pretty... Oh, wow. I would not want to imagine that. Uh, one of the Ainu hunters notices that Tanagaki is carrying around Nihei Tetsuzo's old rifle. You know, the really perverted hunter guy. Uh, he explains that there yeah. are seven notches near the end of the rifle. And this guy used to hunt with Nihei, so Nihei told him that these seven notches were put there by his son who used the rifle in the first sino-japanese war and the marks represented people he had killed during battle and he died during that war and a friend gave the rifle back to his father and nihe is like really regretful saying you know if his son had felt guilt about killing he had no business being a soldier in the first place and should have stayed home and just shot bears with him mm. uh, but obviously it means a lot to him And just then, as they're talking about this, Ryu, which is Nihei's dog, appears from some bushes and this is so funny because Sugimoto gets like really emotional he's like Ryu has been following Tanagaki this whole time because he's carrying his old master's rifle what a loyal dog and he tries to pet Ryu and like Ryu just bites the shit out of Sugimoto's <laughs> hand uh, and then like Sugimoto gets really pissed he, like slaps the dog on the head he's like you stupid animal and, like he just like complete 180 in five seconds it's really funny uh, and Shiraishi mm-hmm. like, reminds him, you know, like Ryu, the dog, remembers that you were his master's enemy, so he's not going to like you. So, Meanwhile, hmm. Second Lieutenant Koito is really worried about how Surumi is going to react to Shiraishi getting away. And he's so nervous. But that- he, he
1: also <laughs> is kind of excited, right? He's yes. like, ooh, he might hurt me, but it might be sexy if he hurts
2: me. Oh, uh, gosh. Mm. He is Very into Tsurumi, it seems, yeah. Um, He's so nervous that he keeps talking in high-speed Satsuma dialect that Tsurumi can't understand when he shows up. So he has to like whisper into the other officer's ear and have him translate it instead. And it turns out Koito at least got the tattooed skin of the con artist he shot in that other episode. And he copied the tattoos that Shiraishi had. So Tsurumi's really happy with this, and he tells Koito, all right, you're off the stupid case I had you on. Now you're just gonna help me find the rest of these prisoners. And so Koito is very happy with that. Um and then another mm-hmm. reason Koito is around apparently, and Tsurumi is interested in him, is because his father was friends with Ogada's father, Hanazawa Kojiro, who was the lieutenant colonel during that battle at Hill two oh three, where he supposed to con- be. Yeah.
1: The one who like Got who committed suicide supposedly, yeah. and then the seventh got blamed for it. That was Ogata's father. Exactly. That was like the big reveal,
2: for sure. But then Sorry. there's more yeah. to that.
1: <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. um, yeah. So he was like he k- committed suicide like as an apology for losing all those men in the ba- battle supposedly, but we find out that's not at all what happened. It turns out. Ogata is the son of a geisha mistress of his father's. and His father did not plan on having a baby with this woman and basically ignored her as if she didn't exist when he found out. And the mother went nuts. She just kept making monkfish like stew like every single day because she knew that Ogata's father liked that dish and hoped that he would come back to her. And so she's raising Ogata and Ogata sees her like sliding into insanity. And one day he's just like, I got to put an end to this. And he puts rat poison in his mother's food just to put her out of her misery because her whole life was just miserable. Like he even went out and like, well, tried shooting some birds to get her to cook something different. and She just wouldn't. So yeah,
1: I think the real thing is the truth is of it though is that Ogata is almost like a psychopath, and that's what yeah. you find out. No, he's textbook and, like, he psychopath.
2: Did, Definitely, like, he you did know?
1: yeah do it to put her out of her misery to some extent, but really he did it to put himself out of her misery.
2: You know, you're right. <laughs> you that know is, what I mean? That is almost certainly like the more important thing for him, the more pressing reason. It was like he couldn't stand it anymore. Yeah.
1: Well, and he had that weird curiosity where he was like, maybe if I kill her, my father will come. It was, it was so detached and interesting. (laughs) Yeah,
2: And so Ogata joins the war and he meets his father's legitimate son who was like born to his wife. And, this guy is like really happy to meet ogata he's like really happy to have like a big brother he's like really nice to him and ogata shoots this guy in the back of the head on the battlefield and it, he's he tell he's actually telling his father this cuz his father's still alive and uh sarumi has sort of like brought him to his father to like confront him and ogata is like recounting the story to him and saying I didn't really shoot him for any reason. I just wanted to see if you would, how you would react. Like if you would remember that you had another son, if you would love me at all. And it turns out, no, (laughs) his father does not love him. I almost
1: wonder what he would have done if he did all of a sudden come back and be like, now I'm interested in you. Cause like the way he says it is so emotionless. Like, oh, but it turns out you didn't like, it's not like he's angry about it. It's, it's almost like a scientific experiment that he did.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the thing about psychopaths are they have no conscience. So no matter what they do, they don't feel like it was good or bad. Mm. So like, and that's ex- and like, he is just showing that emotionless, this, this whole, this whole anime so far. And then you can especially see it in this episode. So like, becom you're like, oh shit, somebody's of these killings over the top. I'm like, he's just being a straight ape, straight up psychopath. I mean, this is yeah. what they are. They... Because it doesn't make sense to you means you're healthy, Bcom. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and yeah, I think
2: uh, Ogata says it. He says like uh, he wonders if something was missing in him because he was born to parents that didn't love each other. So that's how he's sort of justifying his actions. Obviously, he's a psychopath, like we've been saying, and he retakes takes revenge on his father, killing him and then framing it as a suicide, uh, sort yeah. of like with mm-hmm. Sarumi's help. And so,
1: I, I thought the yeah. most fascinating part of it, though, is that Sarumi allowed it. Like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it, it makes me think one of two things happened, right? Either Sarumi thought, okay, the seventh will be punished, but we won't be punished severely, just a little bit, and it'll bring us together. So that's option A. Or B, he knew everything that was going to happen, like how badly the seventh was going to get punished, like how terrible it was going to be, and everything so far has been according to his plan. Yeah. I, I
0: believe he did it in part because he knew it would allow him to take over some more control of the seventh division. I mean, it was yeah, purely for, for his sure. personal gain. Um, that's, that's what I'm pretty sure what that was about.
1: Well, but it, it was so costly to him and to everyone else. Cause it, it was costly to him as well. It's only, it's only something that someone who was insane would do. Yeah. And, and I guess, <laughs> I mean, he is insane. <laughs> it's just interesting to me. And then also you find out this episode, that Surumi is bi, at least bi. maybe he's gay because no. he's
0: a, he's a seducer. It's what he is. That's how,
1: no, I really do think he's at least bi. cause like, okay. So like he's seduced a bunch of people and that's, I mean, yeah, you could say he's a seducer, but the amount of guys that he has seduced at this point, leads me to believe like he's at least a little interested himself. Well, there's barely any women
0: in this anime so his options are very slim.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I would say it's interesting like two episodes in a row we've seen completely different men but coming from different backgrounds that are equally like they're equally lost like Tanigaki last episode where he's lost and like wanted revenge and then couldn't get it and then Surumi seduces him into be, be like being his partner and then same with uh you know, Ogata, this episode, of course, Ogata is kind of the flip side of the coin to uh, Tanagaki. Tanagaki yeah. is see, sort of on I the don't good think, path now.
1: Yeah, I don't think Ogata got seduced by him at all. Like, he just coldly observes and is like, oh, he's trying to seduce me. But, like, he's not into that. Yeah, you're actually he's right. Just going like, along Ogata with it. is
2: kind of like, oh, I see what this guy is doing, but yeah, I'm just going to go along it. with it. Yeah. He's smart, yeah. He mm-hmm. sees
0: that. But like, back to the women thing. There's only three women with names in the show: Asurpa, Hoochie, and Inkamart. There's nobody else. Kano doesn't count because she's that's it's a fucking dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's I mean,
1: true. all I'm saying is, like in Japan, you don't act like that unless you're a little bit gay. Because like, there's a lot of prejudice against, especially in this time. Like so he's a li- at least a little gay. He's at least by. I mean, <laughs> that's all i'm saying
0: or maybe he's just that dedicated to being a seducer you just mm. doing what he can for his favor i don't know you may right. just saying all if you're say- that
1: good if you're that good at it you enjoy it a little
2: bit let's put it that way all i'll say is i've heard very interesting things about the next episode <laughs> oh i've heard nothing which <laughs> i have not seen then. yet but i've heard very interesting things so we'll have to we'll have to pick up that conversation Ooh. next week um so, yeah, all let's, right. move, let's move on to Run with yeah, the to, Wind.
0: Uh, yeah, another show with a huge lack of women. <laughs>
1: you
3: know, like, uh,
2: that the one girl character, Hanako, has not shown up for a little while
0: either. So. Yeah, I was going to say, I know yeah. she wasn't even in this
2: episode. <laughs> yeah. So, episode seven, uh, bury your fangs at the summit. Finally, it is the track meet we've all been waiting for. so
0: wee is that boring? <laughs>
2: The episode starts out on a really somber scene, though, like, before, like, the OP or anything, where it's just Kakaroo like, sitting alone in the house in the early morning, clearly dreading this day because he knows what it means for their team. Uh, but, like, the tone quickly changes after the OP because it turns out Haiji is a demon driver from hell. And the entire team is nauseous, like, after they, like,
0: drive to Tokyo Sport University. <sighs> Prince is actually puking. Didn't you just buy the... Blu-ray or DVD for Az- Azuma- uh Azumanga Daio. Yeah, yeah. Where this joke is so much better and actually fucking hilarious.
2: I think the joke is better in uh Shirobako too, where the main character is constantly driving like a demon to like deliver uh, you know, tapes on time to like TV stations for their anime. Uh, no,
0: you y- sensei nah she's got it in my book. She's she's the mm. best. <laughs> the girls are like Shiro absolutely Bako terrified. Shirobako is amazing
1: yeah I, great. I mean shiro bako is pretty awesome with those driving scenes yeah i will say that's pretty awesome
2: they're all like initial d mm-hmm. uh, so yeah i've never seen it so oh you should watch it sometime it's great
0: uh you
1: really should you would like it leo i feel <laughs>
0: like you would
2: uh Kakura's i don't
0: trust your two's opinions <laughs> anymore
2: <laughs> kakaru's old teammate uh Kosuke Sakaki, the asshole guy, shows up and acts like a dick again. Uh, but they're interrupted uh, by Heiji, who like intervenes between Kakaru and him before like he can like p- throw a punch. And then Heiji's old teammate, by the name of Fujioka, shows up. Uh, and this guy is with a team from Rikudo University, who are clearly like this well lubricated machine of a team. Uh, they all like look like an army, basically, uh, and they follow like lockstep. And it's clear that, like, Heiji and Fujioka are on really good terms with each other. And Fujioka seems very interested in, like, how well he's recovered from his injury and stuff. And Haiji's like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm totally fine. 100%. Which is obviously a lie. Um, mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. guys all get running shorts and tops from Haiji. There's this weird, awkward moment where Musa sees four African runners who are participating and feels awkward. Oh. Yeah. the
1: interplay between them is hilarious like he's just like hey and they're like looking at him like
2: yeah you're not
1: part of the squad dude <laughs> like it's amazing
2: he feels awkward because he's like oh they came to japan to devote their lives to running and here i am just like an exchange student kind of running as like a, a hobby or something how can i possibly beat these guys Yeah,
1: exactly it's, it's just it's funny it's like a it's like almost clicky yeah like like the mean girls met, like, uh, <laughs> Sports Illustrated. That's what this show is. Um, it's good, though.
2: <laughs> Kakaru asks Prince, like, because he's reading manga, like, how can you read manga at a time like this? And Prince is like, well, it lifts my spirits, and I definitely need that right now. Uh, And he's like, the stories I write for myself in my head are perfect. And Kaku is like, you're a moron. Uh, And and Kaku is
0: just like looking around at all the guys and they're all acting kind of like lackadaisical. And well, I want to say about that, you know, with any sport, it's as much mental as it is physical. So like, if that's what he's got to do to get mentally there, then all power to you. So yeah, him judging him by that. I was like, what the fuck? You should know this.
2: Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Cocker is really judgy, like, and he's judging everybody for being, like, kind of lazy and about the yeah, way I they're mean, looking at this race.
0: Yeah, yeah, when I ran, like, five or ten minutes before the race started, all of us had headphones on listening to something. Was it Evanescence? Mm-hmm. Uh, no. no I, I, my thing was a uh, Rob Zombie. That was my big running I just remember one
2: of my baseball teammates every fucking game for one of those years when Evanescence was really big was just listening to Evanescence the whole bus ride to the other like park or whatever. It was ridiculous. You've
1: mentioned this before as well. Like you must have wanted to kill that, that guy <laughs> because you have mentioned it to us so many times. Like you will never forget having to listen to the fucking Evanescence on that bus. It was, you was either
2: Evanescence gone. or 50 Cent. That, that was everything that was going on that year. 50 Cent. It was like 2000. Oh, Oh, my three, God.
0: So,
1: yeah. I, I what, can see what a both What a strange work. dichotomy. You just <laughs> oh need gosh.
0: You just need something with a good beat and, like, that's, like, positive, you know? That's Pretty why much. I listen to I Rob mean, Zombie because it's, okay, like... okay, that's
1: not Evanescence, though. <laughs> if you want something with a good beat that's positive, don't listen to Evanescence. <laughs>
0: but it's kind of rock, so... No!
1: So. It's depressing. It's, like, slit your wrists music. It's... <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what's similar to Evanescence? Like, AFI, or, like, the used. Like, <laughs> don't listen to that and then go do sports.
2: Well, it worked for this guy. I don't know how, but it did. Maybe <laughs> like it just made
1: him hate himself
0: oh, well, that's so all the, much. That's all the proof you need. <laughs> it works. That's it's the point. <laughs> Why? Oh, we man. may not know, but it works.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, IG tells the guys, like hey, guys, just enjoy your first race. Like, don't worry about our times. And we just want to get a feel for running. And he starts this chant by himself, like, in the circle. And he's like, the mountains of Hakone are the steepest in the world. Like, nobody else knows this chant, so, like, nobody responds. But you can tell this is the type of thing where, like, by the end of the show, it's going to be their cheer, and they're all going to be, like, really into it, but not right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, Kakaru tells Haiji, like, I won't be having any fun today, Hyji. Instead, I'm gonna be watching to see how well everybody can run under pressure. It's like, okay, yeah, obviously we all will be, but so the meet begins, and at first some of the new runners are surprised, like, at like all of the physicality of the runners. Like they're like jostling for position, like elbowing each other and stuff. Um, and Kakaru has his eyes set on going against Fujioka, who is clearly like the favorite. Like they were talking about him earlier as being like a three-time like champion and like he's been like the, he's the captain of this running team that's really good and all this stuff so but uh he's in like second place and one of the african runners named manas runs out in front of Fujioka mm-hmm. to set the pace um and Cocker that looks back at Heiji and he, he kind of like smiles at him and then he's like pushes up and makes a move on the outside and haiji's like oh yeah let's do this and like he, he pushes on his like right leg to try and like get a boost of speed but he feels a twinge in his knee that was injured and decides not to push it and just stays back uh, meanwhile yeah, which I think was the better completely. choice oh you missed that oh yeah no, he, I, I saw yeah. him
0: get jostled and hit his like knee against somebody else and he winced but that was it
2: oh no I thought it was like he was just pu- he was trying to follow Kakaroo and like could not push it no. Yeah, no. He, he
1: knew i think he in his judgment he was like i don't need to push it right now i need to like let myself not be super fast so that my knee doesn't get fucked up oh yeah i just early he bumped,
0: on he bumped up against somebody and that's what made oh, him, interesting like, wince a little bit yeah i'll
2: have to rewatch that later um so meanwhile prince is so far back that he's already lapped on like the second lap of the race <laughs>
1: don't don't they say like, is he ahead? And then they're like, How <laughs> could he be ahead? And then they're like, He got lapped? And they're like disbelieving.
0: That's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Well, he's running like a fucking like Frankenstein a T-rex or <laughs> that has its knees pointing outside, like bow legged as fuck. It's it's he it looks awful. He looks
1: like one of those like limp llama animals that you see on cartoons sometimes.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's he's not not good running form, let's say. <laughs> Yes. Uh, And most of the other guys on the team are just like exhausted visibly from staying with the pack. But they're all kind of like maintaining pace for now, which has been impressive to me. And Kakaru is running a completely different race. He's at the front of the pack and he's concentrated on Fujioka. And he passes him actually and then sprints up to the side of the leader, Manus. And meanwhile, mm-hmm. this like kind soul runs onto the track to try to give Prince some water and like ask him if he wants to drop out, and Prince like turns him down. he's like, "This is how I always run. Get out of my face.
1: <laughs> this, this is my this is my pace. Yeah, yeah no, that was weird. Now, uh, this part irritated me, the whole part where um Kakaroo is just being really aggressive with Manas and everything. Oh yeah, because I felt. I felt like Kakaroo is supposedly supposed to be like experienced at running. And like, if he was experienced at running, he would know like the best thing to do with running, it's all about endurance. And then you put on a burst of speed at the end. Yeah. And like, why would he be like, oh, I'm going to compete with Manas at the head of the pack? Like, even Manas isn't going at his full speed as you see or mm-hmm. later. Like, they're all pacing themselves. And here, Kakarou is being like, I'm not going to pace myself. I'm just going to be crazy. Like, I I didn't get it. Like, it didn't seem realistic. I don't know. I I think
0: it's because he's never really known loss, so he's never really had to do too much of a pacing of his own. And also, Mm. I think it's kind of to... Oh, I lost my train of thought, whatever I was going to say.
2: Well, it's like, you know, at the beginning... You have to learn. like he's he's making a mistake so he can learn from it, right? It's like same thing happened in Horse Girls Pretty Derby with special week where she like yeah. had to learn to pace herself. It's exact same thing going on. Um
1: Well, but okay, like but pretty derby is new at professional running.
2: Yes. I, I like is Leo's not. explanation that like maybe Kakaru has never faced off against runners this good before. Um, That's
1: probably true, yeah. yeah.
2: And That's so probably like, true. Yeah, as he's pushing Manas, like, Manas, like Kat said, like, was not even r- running at full speed and, like, has a burst of speed and he's like, all right, if I just like quicken my like stride, I'll catch up with him. But just as he tries to do that, Fujioka just flies by him on the outside, making his push. Mm -hmm. Well the burst of speed does he ever in long (laughs)
0: races like this isn't unusual. Usually that does happen, especially Mm -hmm. for the more competitive people. I when I ran cross country, one of my big things was I was still always able to sprint at the end. Yeah. And like I could Mm -hmm. easily like grab like five places. Which would be pretty decent. Yeah, maybe. and that's but what you
1: want. You want to pay, be able to pace yourself and have good endurance so that at the end you can push to that sprint. Like that's mm-hmm. what you're aiming for as a exactly. good runner. Yeah, I, I
0: uh, will say there yeah, was we, a lot of people that when I did sprint past them, like they, I was completely uncontested. Not like none of the like five or two people that I would pass even tried speeding up. <laughs> so, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. There, there nice. were times when people did try to sprint, but. I don't. I don't remember ever getting beaten. Yeah. I, I was more of a sprinter, anyways, than a distance runner. So, very mm. good.
1: But yeah, when Fujioka passes uh, Kakaroo, like they have this up close shot of like the best drawn butt on him that has ever been drawn. <laughs> Did you what? not notice that? I
2: didn't because no. I was actually looking at like the back of his head and his shoulders. That's really funny that oh, I didn't no, notice I was that at staring all. Staring
1: at his ass. He had a great ass. They drew his ass amazingly. Everyone should go back and just like.
0: <laughs> Slow motion through those like well, ten seconds the glutes are pretty important in to running, so any good <laughs> runner will probably have a nice set of butt, so yeah,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and so the race at that point just sort of becomes between Manas and Fujioka, who are going so fast that they actually start lapping some of the other guys from that we know and like and Kakaru does too, but he sort of gets left behind in third place, and Fujioka basically just overtakes Manas like Manas tries to put on like one last burst of speed like he really gives everything he has and Fujioka just basically cruises to the finish like this was nothing almost to him he's got the long Mm -hmm. legs too (laughs) yeah that helps a lot he's
1: like a much bigger frame than Manas yeah I did not realize until the very end how big of a frame Fujioka has Mm
3: -hmm.
2: and so So. as as the race ends like Kakaru is like exhausted and like obviously feeling a little defeated, but Fujioka is not even looking at him. He's more interested in looking back at Haiji. And Haiji finishes well, but obviously with like a time that is disappointing to Fujioka. Like, Haiji can lie about his knee and say he's fine, but like his time is makes it clear to Fujioka, okay, this guy's not really back yet. And he talks with reporters mm-hmm. after the race and he says, like, oh, I'll be skipping future meets to focus on intercollegiate races. And Kakuru is upset hearing that because he's like, I finally found a rival to race against uh, and I won't be able to race against him. So but Fujioka kind of notices and he pulls Kokuru aside and says, like, I need you to look out for Haiji and it's clear you're really good. You need to lead your team together with him. And he's like, mm-hmm. you're, go, you're going for the Hakone, aren't you? And like, I liked Kakuru's reaction to this because he like looks down. He's almost embarrassed and frustrated that like a great runner like Fujioka would even consider their team as having a chance for Hakone but like Fujioka mm-hmm. just says it like matter of factly like oh of course you're going for it like why wouldn't you be um, i like that as for the times for everybody so Musa Joji and Joda finished at around 17 minutes which is just over the 1630 they need uh, Shindo and Yuki finished around 18 minutes and Akihiro and King finished even later than that Prince finished at, like, 30 minutes. yeah. And that was bad, obviously. Didn't they
1: tell him, like, maybe we should just not let you finish or something for Prince?
2: (laughs) Yeah. They were like, you... Yeah, they had to, like, convince the, like, reps to let them keep running, basically. Yeah, I think the officials (laughs) were trying to get him to stop. (laughs) And, like, the Tokyo Sport Uni rep in particular told uh, Prince that they were stupid for even competing, basically.
1: Oh, I think that's gonna give Prince the motivation he needs to mm-hmm. like push harder because he just will not like give it up like he keeps muttering about it prince does yeah. how the toki uni guy called him stupid
2: yep Yep. i think He's that's real gonna
1: give him like that. the yeah that that's like his like deep down strength is like his anger sometimes with prince
2: oh yeah
1: um and i had one more note the Fujioka and Heiji like I'm looking forward to the flashback scene that you know is coming where you find out how they used to know each other.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's definitely coming. So, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, and for of sure. course, Hygiene Cockeroo, they were the only ones to actually get uh, under 1630, which I was kind of surprised at. I like a lot of the guys were pretty close, but uh, not quite. And so, yeah, faced with reality, Cockeroo tells everyone, like, That we knew this was going to happen. I've been telling you this was going to happen for weeks, basically, is what he's saying. And he runs off by himself and he's all panicked and, like, hyperventilating and just, like, can't express his feelings and being a little cockaroo, you know. So, yeah.
1: Being a little cockaroo. Is that our new expression for
2: assholes? (laughs) Yeah, basically. Um,
1: Yeah.
2: I I was interested with this episode, like... I thought like more anime type stuff was going to happen. Like I thought Prince was going to like become like way better immediately. But now that I've seen the episode, I'm kind of glad that did not happen because that would have been sort of ridiculous. Um, I agree. Yeah.
1: I like that they're going to have to fight for it.
2: Yeah. It's interesting. I guess this was not their last chance. There's other chances. So we'll see what the
0: plan is. 23 freaking episodes. True. Yeah.
1: You know, you know, Leo, you'll live. You'll be okay.
0: <laughs> and that's the bad part. I'm going to live and suffer through this. <laughs> oh, What well, a child. It could be stop worse, being Leo. Stop being
1: such a cockaroo, Leo. Stop, stop, stop being such a
2: cockaroo. Adolescence syndrome, Leo. Uh, At you're least
0: rascal. the next show oh. has a lot of women in it.
1: Yes. Rascal does not dream of Bunny Girl, Sensei. So, episode <laughs> 7 of Night of 13, Adolescent Paradox. So... This episode starts with Sakuta talking to Shoko, like the little girl with the cat that they met at the end of the last episode, like the day they met, because apparently he knew her from before.
0: Yeah. His first crush. And
1: Yeah. Well, you find out it's like she's his first crush that he ever had in middle school. And apparently she just started talking to him one day, even though they'd never met before. And he says, like, you're annoying but she isn't too bothered by it and like just keeps talking to him. And he wakes up because he he basically dreamed about the past with her. So and and then like the whole Kaide in bed with Sakuta thing hmm? like didn't necessarily need to be repeated and I was kinda pissed off.
2: This one did was like again. more like a horror one though, because like She's like right up in his face and she's like,
1: oh, me, John, staring
2: at him. <laughs> it was pretty yeah.
0: horrifying, honestly.
1: <laughs> really? I just was like, yet again, I didn't even think of it as horrifying. I was just yeah. rolling my eyes.
0: Start locking the um, door because she's going to get jealous of mine. She's going to like stab you and you're fucking to sleep. <laughs> yeah. No, I would be coming on this way. I saw that shit. and That's like if I was Sakata, I'd be like, all right, we're getting you some fucking serious help <laughs> now. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's a little concerning. But yeah, so... Okay, so Shoko comes in in the morning. Apparently she's been coming over to visit the cat. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Kaide is jealous of Shoko and is like, I guess you like younger girls, huh, Oni-chan? <laughs> I'm just like, you're a dumb idiot. Like... <laughs> anyway, there's a scene of a girl sending a picture of herself, like, to someone. And then Sakuta calling the person who's taking the picture... And it looked a little bit like Futaba, but I was confused because she didn't have her glasses on and her hair was up. Oh, you right. find out later why, but it's confusing at first. Mm-hmm. Um, well, she so has it, the explanation
0: like he, why she doesn't have glasses and she has her hair up. Oh, yeah. Because obviously. he asked well, about Well, but, like,
1: it. you're still confused because, like, it's such a difference. But, like, so, so Sakuta meets up with who he thinks is Futaba in the library And like he basically tells her about Shoko and he's how he's confused because he's like, why does she look just like this girl I used to know? But she's so much younger and all this. And she has no memory of the time that we had together. And she kind of makes she's like awkward about it and laughs. And then she comments on the urban legend that there are always three people with the same face in the world. Um but like nervously and you're like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Sakuta says like Futaba should have worn a y- Yugatara when they went to like a summer festival or something. Oh,
2: you mean like to a, get y- Kumini- a Yukata?
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah yukata to to get Kumini's attention. And, F- and Fudaba's like, no, cause she never wants to impress him, which I kind of respect her for. I'm like, go girl. You don't need to impress anyone. Even if you do like them. Um, then later, at like, Sakuta goes to work and Kumini comments that he hasn't seen um, Mai with Sakuta in, like, a week. And, like, Sakuta's all sad and he's like, yeah, I never see her except on TV. Hmm? And then Mai comes back that same day while he's at work and drops by work to see his ungrateful ass she came home a day early to see him, and he's, like, pouting and being super, like, fake nice to her because, oh, I didn't see you in a week. And he asked her to apologize. I was so angry
2: at this. That was sarcastic, no. though. That was sarcastic. No, he,
1: was, he was a little mad. like, mm, And, and yeah. I was like, no, she's fucking working. It's work. She's not ignoring you by going to a film shoot for her career no she's being an independent
2: person i was so mad but like she plays it so well though because she's like because like, she's like well you do lewd things for me and she's like within reason i will <laughs> and then okay, she like when okay. he goes too far she steps on his foot and then he then he finally says like what he should have said in the first place just like i'm so bad i'm so happy you came back early which is like you know what he really should say, but yeah. okay.
0: Literally an hour and a half ago, I watched this episode, mm-hmm. and we watched completely different things. I'm sitting here going, "What the fuck are you guys talking about?" Uh, then you really misremembered, I guess. So, <laughs> what did yeah, you think? Like, happened, The way Leo? they were both reacting, I'm sit. I like, I read this scene completely different. Weird. What? Like what? How? Like back well, yeah, in the locker room, it? like he he was like. Oh no! I haven't seen my girlfriend for a week, and then his friends like, "Oh well, I saw her on TV today." He's like, "Well, yeah, I get to see her on the TV every day too." Mm-hmm. And then, like, when he meets her, like, I'm—I don't, I don't remember him being an ass. He's—he he like
1: has—he has, has yeah. too high expectations of her. I remember I because him because she
0: teasing, she her coddles him about coming back a day early. In kind of, like, a sarcastic way. But that, then, I mean, like, that's what
2: I was just saying to Kat. Like, I thought it was more sarcastic and not, like, <laughs> malicious. Yeah.
0: Right. Like, I which, didn't
1: think it was malicious. I just think he's been spoiled by Mai because she keeps doing all this shit for him and putting in all this effort. And he doesn't have to put a lot of effort into her. Uh, and, like, she's, he's, been a little, he's been a little bit selfish. She's teasing that's all, that's the shit out of
2: him, to be fair. Constantly teasing him. Like... It's there. I think it's a, there's a lot of back and forth going on here. Yeah,
0: a huge amount of back and forth. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I just didn't like <laughs> like it. I was pissed off. Yeah. yeah. I would have given him <laughs> a piece of my mind, Shoot up his ear. Um, but yeah, so he demands a favor in return. I know you guys are gonna be like, oh, but it was cute. But like you know, he really did think he deserved one. Come on, and he didn't. Um, <laughs> The two of them see Futaba go into a net cafe while they're walking at night. And they wonder why she's in a place like this. So they follow her into the cafe while Sakuta calls her. And Futaba answers. But while they're on the phone, he sees the Futaba in the cafe walking down the hall. And she's not on the phone. So it's another double. So there are three of them.
0: No, there are two of them. No, there's two.
1: No, there's three. Because there's the one... At the net cafe and then there's the one with the glasses and then isn't there a third one the one at the net Net cafe
2: has glasses that's the that's the glasses one the second yeah that's the regular one if there's a third i think there's gonna be a third uh, one but yeah
1: that's just my suspicion bookstore
0: one and there's net cafe one i don't know where you got the third one right now there's
1: two but i think there's gonna be a third one because she made that like comment
0: Three faces. I think there's going
1: to be a third one. Yeah, Yeah. it could be.
0: Yeah, yeah, there was that comment. That is right, but...
1: Yeah, so when they they catch Futaba in the Net Cafe, she realizes, like, oh, the jig is up. And so she tells them, like, yeah, since three days ago, there's been two Futabas in the world. The one without the glasses that has the ponytail has taken over Futaba's phone and her house. So, (laughs) like, the OG Futaba has been at the Net Cafe, and I'm like, first of all, how does she take your phone and get into your house? Like, I'm imagining, like, I don't know how the fuck she would get her phone. <laughs> <laughs> like, what what ninja assassin shit did she do? Because, like, they can't meet in real life. Like, they can't see each other. Right. Like, where does any modern person go in their life without their phone? I don't know about y'all. My phone is with me at all times. I go to the bathroom with my phone. I sleep with my phone next to me.
2: I think maybe she went, let's say she went to like the public baths and she left her phone at home and she was thinking about Kunimi and then like this (laughs) other version of her popped up in her bedroom. Let's just make up this whole scenario. Well, I mean, I think that because like we find out later in this episode, like I think it's pretty clear the reason there's two versions of her is because of her like mental struggle over like how to like get Kunimi's attention. Yep. Yeah. So yeah.
1: Yeah, but but still, I'm just saying it's kind of crazy. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, No matter how the fuck she did it, she has her phone and is in her house. Um, and and also she didn't say anything or contact Sakuta. And like, I know she doesn't have a phone, but she could have gone to his house and been like, "Hey, some bitch is in my house and took my phone, and I'm stranded." Well, I I guess I understand like you're too proud, but like. There's a point where you have to ask for help, even if you don't want to. Yeah, but it was only three days. Judgment. So
0: maybe she just didn't hit that point yet. Hmm.
1: I don't know. It seems like she probably should have said something before they caught her. But anyway, um, both Mai and Futaba decide to sleep over at Sakuta's house since Mai doesn't want Futaba sleeping over there without her.
2: I like that they acknowledged that double standard where Mai was like. Would you be okay with a guy sleeping over my house? And he's like, "Uh, "I guess I don't want to really imagine that." So no, (laughs) (laughs) exactly,
1: yeah. Um, But then they they have like a joke about, "Ooh, I'm gonna take a bath after you, Fudaba," and like
2: the broth. I still
1: think it's weird that people in Japan like use the same bath water. Yeah, because they talk about the broth or whatever. (laughs) Um, And I and I guess it's kind of like you know how there's some things in America where. It's just like custom from the old time made yeah. modern. It's it's yeah. similar. It's just it's, it seems weird to yeah, us. Yeah, it's
0: probably just some weird consciousness where they're like, you know, we got it we only used to have this so much bath water, so we all still just do this same thing even though it doesn't make too much sense anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just yeah.
1: imagining in the old days they probably had to carry like like buckets of water on their head like right. four <laughs> miles uphill to pour it into this bathtub. And they're like, well, we're not doing it again, so let's all get in there. Like, (laughs) that's what I'm assuming. But, um, yeah. So anyway, Sakuta gets on the other side of the door from Futaba while she takes a bath and asks if she's okay. And Futaba admits that she was a bit scared. And she said it's possible for doubles to exist if quantum teleportation (laughs) works on a macroscopic scale. And I'm like what the fuck are you trying to say because like <laughs> she's saying there there could be doubles of people if teleportation worked on a large scale yeah okay, they try to explain this the more they try to explain I just I'm like I feel like this is bullshit that you just put together to yeah. make this work in a scientific st- setting
2: of, of the like three so, physics explanations for so far in this show I think this one is like the most bullshitty of all of I them just, exactly I keep, yeah. I keep shutting keep down calm. my
0: brain when they start doing these because I'm like this is just too much and I'm not here to learn right now, so... Yeah.
1: Well, I'm like, why even try... If you don't have a good explanation, don't try to. Don't try to explain it, then. <laughs> I don't know. That's always my rule in an anime, or really in anything. If you can't... Like, like the Star Wars problem. If you can't explain it in a good way, scientifically, then don't explain it at all. It's better if you don't explain it if you're gonna give me a shit explanation. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. So... If there's a, a So the idea is, like, if there's a blueprint on how to construct you and you use it to make a copy of yourself to teleport, because, like, the whole idea is that, like, a teleportation would just be making clones of you, basically,
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, then that double would be constructed under the impressions that the person sending the data had of that person. So it would be slightly different version, which makes me wonder, like, what impressions is the... The double without the glasses from, which is interesting to think about. Yeah, um, and then Futaba thinks that if they if the two doubles see each other, one of them will just spontaneously stop existing, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so, so yeah. Anyway, I, they go on and on about it for a while. I'm kind of like, just get back to the show. You're making it more confusing than it has to be. Um, Sakuta wants Mai to watch over the real Fudiba while he goes to investigate the fake Fudiba. And Mai's like, well, fine, but that's your favor. The one he shouldn't have gotten, bitch. So good. (laughs) And then Sakuta tries to kiss kiss her, but Mai looks down like all shyly. And they kind of like do that like face hit thing that people do sometimes. Yeah. It, and it's it's a bit cute, and like we've all been there.
0: No, it was retarded. It was
1: great. I loved oh. it.
0: I loved. I loved. But what like followed you've done
1: it. that, you know you've done that. Like, like even even like now, sometimes if you do, if you like try to kiss someone and they don't know you're gonna kiss, like sometimes it happens. You know,
2: that's cute. But I like what followed it. I liked that she's like, okay, he's like, you know, if you like. Tell me I'm terrible at this kissing stuff. Like my like ego is going to be hurt forever, and like I'm never going to go on. And then she's like, "Don't worry, because I'll let you practice on me all all you want until you get good at it."
0: And I was like, "Oh, that's so sweet."
2: <laughs> I was like really encouraged by that. I like that a lot.
0: Oh, I was not. I was like, "What fucking girl says this? This is so unbelievable."
1: <laughs> what do you mean? What fucking girl says and this? If your guy is saying- bad at something, then then you should tell him so that you guys can practice. And
0: she keeps doing stuff like that for him like I'll always be waiting constantly on and on and on. I'm like who are you? I've never met I anybody do agree like with you. that.
1: <laughs> she puts too much fucking effort into this stuff. She's it's crazy. a fantasy
2: girl obviously like she's going to be exaggerated but I thought that was really cute uh back and forth. Like I can imagine that back and forth between two like teens. Though she's a little bit you, like old you could. like older soul like That's a little bit mature for somebody her age to be saying, but it's still really cute.
1: But yeah, the four of them eat breakfast together the next day. Futaba's uncomfortable because she isn't used to eating with other people. Shoko comes in to see the cat. And so now he's got like three or four girls in his apartment with him.
2: Four. And it's like weird. (laughs) Well, if
1: you count the sister... You know, oh, I count anyway, the sister the fake, twice. Okay? okay, of course you do. Of course you do, B. <laughs> Fucking perv. Anyway, the fake Futaba is watching Kunimi play basketball at school the next day. Dude has just abs. like the OG. Yeah, he does have nice abs. Just like the OG Futaba used to. So they're very similar. You find out, like, even though they're slightly different, they're they're pretty similar. Um, Futaba asks her, like, Why did you fall in love with Kumini? Because I've never asked you before and she says that Kumimi I can't ever say his fucking name it's a hard name to be fair
2: it's a terrible (laughs) name I agree (laughs) sorry all the Kunimis out there if you exist
1: I I need to like go back in in time and like punch whoever gave this dude his name anyway (laughs) so he gave her a choco coronet which apparently is like curry bread with chocolate in it and at first I was like ew but then I thought about like, well, I guess some Mexican dishes like mole, kind of have like chocolate, savory stuff like that too, and it does it, taste good. No, so. it
2: depends on how the bread is. It also didn't. It didn't made. have curry in it. He got a curry bread for himself, and he got a chocolate like croissant bread for her. So there was no curry in it. Oh,
1: that's what that okay. was. Okay, I right. just saw curry, and I was like, and then, no, I, and then I was like, oh well, I guess flavor. Mexican food does it. Yeah. So, well, have you ever had mole with
2: chocolate in it? I've had like, I haven't had that, but I've had like chocolate with like spicy pepper in it, and it's really good.
1: Yeah, it, it can be good. It, like, it doesn't sound like it would be, but it surprisingly can turn out really good. Mm-hmm. So they start talking about the issue, and I'm glad, I'm glad this didn't turn into like, hide that you don't know she's a copy. Like, they address it immediately. Like, Basically, Sakuta is like, hey, I know you're a copy. And she's like, yeah, I know that you know. I appreciated that. Um, Mai gets a call from her manager at this point in the episode. Like, just they switch scenes. And the manager doesn't like that Mai has a boyfriend, which doesn't sound good for Sakuta. <laughs> yeah, Because, like, Sakuta calls later and Mai's is like, we need to talk. And I'm like, um, what's going on?
0: Oh, it's an the idol thing all over yeah. <laughs> again.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And then at the very end of the episode, like we find out from Kunimi's girlfriend, like, because she confronts Sakuta and is like, aren't you friends with Futaba? That apparently Futaba B, like the fake Futaba, has a hidden fake like social media account.
2: <clears throat> at Choco where Coronet. She's post- <laughs> yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah, where she's posting like, Semi sexy pictures of herself and Kunimi's girlfriend, like, but with nothing with her face in it though, and like no nudes. It's just like kind of sexy pictures. They're not that bad. And Kunimi's girlfriend brings it up, like, oh, it's so risky. And I don't know if it's just because we live in the U.S., but I was looking at it and I was like, so there's nothing like bad in there. It's not <laughs> like you even see like her tits or anything. Well, yeah. Also,
0: why did she sh- bring? It to his attention. I don't understand her reason because she
1: hates because she hates uh, that. Well, because yeah. she knows that Fudaba likes her boyfriend.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think but, that's but why. then why would she bring it to the guy that would most likely fix the situation? That I doesn't don't know make that. sense to me. Maybe she <laughs> yeah, wants you're, to you're handle right it without that. it be becoming public.
2: Maybe she's worried that if Kunimi sees the pictures, like, he'll fall in love with her or something. <laughs> you know? It could it, be something it uh, like that. That sounds
1: like something an secu- insecure bitch like her I was would think. Say, then I don't she know. doesn't
0: really believe in her boyfriend, then. Huh. She doesn't. Yeah. She's yeah. clearly in... Well, yeah. she's
1: obviously... Yeah. But also, I think... This is my personal opinion. I think that Futaba has had this account before the copy thing happened. Huh. And that this is her, like, little side way of, like... Because everyone has those little secret parts of them, right? That mm-hmm. you wouldn't expect. I think this has been happening for a while.
2: It might mm-hmm. have been. if that's just if my not, opinion. She's definitely been having these, like, fantastical thoughts about Kunimi. And about, like, becoming more sexy and outgoing in I,
0: order to get him. And that's, I would say yeah. it's maybe. been happening for a while. Which explains why she's split like she has now. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. it just came to the point to where, like, she got that whatever syndrome and bloop, two of them.
2: Makes sense. Maybe.
0: Yep. Okay. Is that everything everybody has to say? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Take a little break. Sure. Listen to some of our friends' podcasts. (laughs) We'll Mm -hmm. do that.
1: We'll be back soon.
0: The Trash Pandas bring you this nugget from another trash can. What happens when Brains and Bullets discuss episode two of One Punch Man? Pretty much gene splicing heads. They will oh, sp- yep. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. They will splice jeans. They have a, a cyborg gorilla. They have frog that walks on two legs and communicates at long range. Like they got you think it, they splice The Lion King? Yeah, they, they, have, the li- they have a lion beast king and <laughs> Simba. Yeah, he's f-ing Simba. I don't mean he's f-ing Simba. I mean he's Simba. We at Trash Pandas Watch Anime dig through the trash so you don't have to. You can find the Trash Pandas Watch Anime podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter where we'll get live updates from what we do.
2: Warning the following clip may contain descriptions of explicit behavior conducted by B. She Boys.
0: Now that's not to say he didn't get physical. Quite the opposite, in fact. Our boy Kent was researching all the ways to please a woman. Pulled his lever. And he put some (laughs) of that learning into effect, if you know what I mean. Let me give you a scene from the show that I really quite liked. My research shows that women find it pleasurable if men place their fingers here, then apply some pressure and begin to rub that area. (laughs) Do you enjoy that? Is it giving you pleasure? Please respond. I need verbal...
3: (laughs) 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 <laughs>
0: please respond <laughs> I, I gotta get this out get it out please respond I need verbal confirmation that this is something that you enjoy <laughs> heroin sadly tells him that it's hurting her as he's rubbing her too vigorously Ow. despondent Ken removes his fingers and looks at them perhaps I applied too much pressure don't worry Kent head pats are difficult to master <laughs> <laughs> And that was Yatta from the Reanimator pod. If you want to hear more,
2: you can check out our website. That's R-E-A-N-M-A-T-O-R-P-O-D dot com. We release new episodes every Monday.
3: Don't drop that. Hey, do drop that. Hey. Hey. Do you
0: like wrestling? Whether it be in a bar, an arena, some weird place in Asia, or in a stadium. Or the occasional penis plex. Well, if any of these things might tickle your fancy anywhere in between from penises to wrestling, you can come and check out our podcast.
3: Our podcast name is Smack It Down. We talk all things WWE, New Japan, anything else in between. I'm Jay Silva. I'm Corey Gold. And we look forward to you joining us. Happy F Day. Happy Rusev
0: Day, indeed. And we are back, guys. Uh, everybody have a good little break. You want to talk I about did. banana fish? Yeah, let's it's, talk it's a, about it's toilets. a disturbing, <laughs> disturbing episode.
1: <laughs> let's talk about human cum dumpsters. Yeah. Oh
0: Jesus! Uh, episode nineteen. I need a drink. <laughs> Ice Palace. Uh, so the episode starts with like lung trying to hire Blanca. To kill AG am I right? that's what yes. he wanted him to do, okay wants well, yes. then he's like later on has the perfect opportunity to kill him and doesn't so whatever, mm-hmm. but anyways, Blanca refuses because he says he's like retired and like Yutlung swears he'll find him again even if he goes back to the Caribbeans um and then like AG goes out with some of Ash's gang to uh surin's territory and asks him to meet Yat-Lung because he thinks he might know something about Ash's disappearance. I think at this point it's been like three days or a couple days or something like that. So AG ends up meeting with mm-hmm. Yat-Lung who tells them this is where he easily could have killed him who tells them Ash gave up everything for Aji and it's his fault. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he really enforces <laughs> It's it.
1: pretty much how that goes. Jesus. That, that's a pretty accurate explanation yeah. of that scene.
0: <laughs> and then when Yutlong doesn't get the reaction he's expecting from Aji, he basically throws a tantrum shortly yeah. after he leaves. And... <laughs> and like... Ag even proclaims uh, like he will save Ash even if he has to kill somebody. We're like, oh, okay, Ag's got a pair of balls now. And then <laughs> I no, f- I'm like Ag,
1: you know that's bullshit. You know he won't kill anyone. We'll see,
0: okay. But then I fucking <laughs> lost it because Ag goes up and then runs out of the room. I fucking lost my mind, dude. <laughs> I was like, what anime am I watching? This does not belong
2: here. <laughs> hey, Ag, you sweet little cupcake, like stop pretending. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh. And then this is where like Yang runs, is like throws his little tempered chantrum and sure, Suren's like, "Hey man, if you keep siding with Dino and being shady like this, I might, I might side with A.G. myself, which he fucking totally mm. does, anyways. Later on, so <laughs> uh, Dino and Ash are like meeting with some military people to discuss overthrowing the Kafka-style <laughs> government <laughs> <laughs> and become. Yeah, when we tell take us it. about this scene. You take it. So,
2: uh, first of all, I'm laughing at my ass off in the scene because they keep referring to the U.S. general as Shogun.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, oh, weird. I know.
1: I caught that too, and I was like, "What is with this translation?" They, they know what, why would they?
0: They know what general a general is. I mean, yeah, they I mean, know like... that word. <laughs>
2: What is going on? <laughs> it's weird that in the Japanese they they wouldn't just try to say general. It, it comes off weird when they say shogun. It just implies something different.
1: Um, well, I'm like, he's not a feudal lord. Like, what what are you trying to say here?
2: It's yeah. just weird. So Ash is, like, on this, like, small council that is advising the military guys with, like, Dino and everything. And he basically suggests that they should use banana fish on... <laughs> The Malaban, which is what they call the <laughs> Taliban, and support a coup of the, the government Maliban. of Afghanistan, Afghanistan obviously, and take the heroin production for themselves instead of like it all going to Europe like I guess it currently is. And the my whole problem with this scene is that this doesn't really fit with the time period that they've modernized the show to. It fit with the manga, which was set in the eighties when right. the, U- the U.S. would have been supporting a Taliban-backed political coup at that point, um, like to upset like Russian forces. But now that like the U.S. like basically controls Afghanistan, has like a propped-up democratic government run there. We especially would not be supporting a Taliban coup post 9-11. That makes no sense in the current political climate. Well, they even said something about 9-11 again in there. Yeah. It's like, this makes no sense whatsoever. That was really weird. I think that's just like a casualty of them modernizing the show, but not quite thinking through the political implications of some of the stuff. I'm not
0: sure why they felt like they needed to do this. I felt like this would have been totally fine if it was an 80s period piece. Yeah. I don't see what modernizing it really did to improve anything. Maybe there's certain things they dropped from the manga. I don't know. But yeah. Hmm. Anyway. So, ap- yeah, after the meeting, Ash is like kind of distraught at what he suggested, which was like getting like it was like some 10,000 troops involved with this and probably lots of lots and lots of deaths. Uh
1: Yeah, like they they would all pretty much get abandoned and die, the, all those yeah. troops basically.
0: He also asked Dino why he had him do that and why isn't he just going to have him be a prostitute like you said and Dino's like you'll be paying with your soul instead of your body this time. And he elaborates some more before he turns Ash in his chair and like kisses him but like Fortunately, that wasn't on the screen because that was making me feel weird as fuck. I was but,
2: glad that was not on screen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: But you, you just see D- the back of Dino. But Ash like ends up like biting his lip in the process. And Dino acts like it's no big deal. Like he's like he basically expected this from him. Oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Jesus. So Max and eBay are now sharing a drink when they see on TV. The news reporting that Dino has been cleared of his extensive taxi evasions, and they show footage of him attending the opera with Ash. And they're like, oh, shit, there's Ash. And then, like, it cuts to after the opera with Dino and Ash. And apparently he gave Ash a drug that just, like, fucked up his vision for a while. And he, it, they suggest he did it so that he wouldn't try to escape or anything like that, you know? Yeah. Well,
1: and then I was like, why would you take him to the opera if he can't see anything? Like, what well, was the
0: point? You can still hear it. I mean, that's mainly, I mean, there is visuals to it, but, like, a big... I think the bigger part of it is probably the audio portion. So I
1: mean, I would rather just not get drugged and not go to the opera.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, but. Ash didn't have a choice, and Dino likes to flaunt, so yeah. he's yeah. he's out in public flaunting him. So yeah,
1: uh, that's the real purpose of it, I'm sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Then this like gives us a montage of Ash helping Dino out run his business before finally cutting to a scene of like Blanca telling Dino he's he's going to be leaving soon. He's seen all he wants to see. Why he's here. Uh, and Dino like wishes he would stay, and that he would like him to attend his party he's throwing for dodging his tax evasion case. Uh, that sounds like a yeah. boring party. <laughs> uh, drinks and music. I don't know. <laughs> so Blanca asks about Ash, and then they like summon Ash to the room they're in. But then like he comes in and collapses, and apparently he has been living on an IV for like a week already, and he he just won't eat. Even when he's forced to eat, he like he gets sick from it. Mm-hmm. So. Blanca's like, dude, you don't need a physician. You need a psychiatrist. This is a psychological thing going on here. And they diagnose him later on. Mm.
1: Well, but uh, this confused me because they're like, they say he came down with a case of anorexia. Like, you would say, like, he came down with a case of the flu. Like... Uh, it doesn't make uh, sense acute, that he would have anorexia. You be specific
0: here. Acute anorexia. And then now we're getting into the debate of is anorexia a choice or is it a mental condition? And the show is treating well, it as a like, mental condition. And I'm just going to go with it because well, I it don't want to get into this. It is a mental condition.
1: <laughs> but like he doesn't have any of the symptoms or psychology that would go with that.
0: Well, well they blamed it on I'm him saying. being in some of these new surroundings. I mean, like think about how much like pressure and duress he is under emotionally right now. I mean like he's kinda in a situation I can believe he can get some kind of fucked up mental disorder.
3: Yeah.
1: I don't know. It just seems a little weird for them to throw that in there, but whatever. It it didn't make sense to me.
0: But okay. whatever. So Surin meets with AG and Ash's gang and informs him about Dino's upcoming party. Uh they decide to use the party to get Ash back and Surin also tells them not to expect any he help from Ash since he will likely be drugged again since he is in public. They will have something, you know, a crutch. At the end of the meeting, AG asked one of the guys to like get him a gun. So, like, he's he's kind of committing to this thing that Kat's not believing. I don't know. You think you guys think he might eventually shoot I think somebody?
1: I think he will come right up to the edge and be all posture and be like, I have this gun. I'm going to do it. And then he won't do it. Because he's in the end, he's a little bitch.
2: i think that cat's probably right about that
0: yeah i mean i would like to see the show like surprise me in some way that he actually does end up shooting somebody like i feel like he has to remain innocent so he can't correct correct but man wouldn't it be crazy if he ends up killing dino or somebody
2: (laughs) that'd be pretty crazy i that would be interesting yeah yeah
0: so then the show just cuts the blanca S- seducing a hotel maid from the bathtub. <laughs> 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 he's the only... But then he gets like interrupted for Yutlung, Lung and he's like, oh, and here are with a woman and you just were seducing me last night. Making love <laughs> to me last night or something like that. I'm like, Jesus Christ, this dude's an asshole. Yeah. Uh, like the maid storms off and Yut Lung has been like looking into Blanca's past. He found out he was a former uh, Spetsnaz and left the Russian army after his wife Natalia was killed and then used her codename Blanca for himself and then so
1: basically, he was a super secret double agent,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. Well,
1: I'm sorry, it just seems so like cliche, but well, it explains, especially a Russian one,
0: it explains his skill set.
1: Come it on. does. I just thought it was funny. Uh, I was like, it's a little dramatic.
0: And then in the end, yeah, he decides to listen to Yutlung's proposal, which we don't know what the fuck they talked about or even happened because they come to a different agreement later. And then anyways, Dino visits Ash and informs him that his party, he will, at his party, he will officially be adopting Ash. And Ash is like, I'm <sighs> going to call you daddy. And then he just basically has his mental breakdown at this moment where he's like expressing how crazy this concept is, all the shit he put in and through, and then he even likes him likens himself to a toilet whenever Dino wants to flush his semen away. <laughs> yeah, he God. really gets under well, Dino's skin. Like he gets in he there gets and is into like into
1: some shit. Yeah, I'm like he's
2: because oh, yeah. he, Dino is like. He he's like Ash is right in to do this as 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 much as he's having a mental breakdown. Dino views Ash as this like perfect like little toy, like somebody he will adopt as his son, like because he still thinks like, oh, you're going to take over this empire from me. I think he says a little bit later or earlier, and like Ash is like no, you need to confront like what you've actually done to me. And that's what all this like crude language that he starts using, like the toilet analogy is, is to him. It's like, no, this is what you've reduced me to. You're, I'm not your son. I'm like your piece of garbage toy that you like play with. And like yeah. to think anything more than that is ridiculous. So, yeah. Right. Because well, like, he talks
1: we're... about, he goes even on this monologue about how like Dino used to let this guy who would acquire young boys for Dino's, like, sex club. Yeah. Like, rape Ash, continuous... Like, he goes in some deep shit.
0: And then he goes, in at the and, end, ask me if it hurt. He's like,
1: yeah, fucking ask me if it hurt. <laughs> yeah.
0: Ridiculous. Yeah.
1: It, it Like, he gets deep. And then, I don't know, like, I think the whole... So, like, this whole episode and this rant and, like, the way Goldine responds, I think Gold... Like, Dino actually does... Love Ash in his Mm -hmm. own, like, fucked up way. Like, it's almost like he sees him as his lover and as his son at the same time, which is fucked up. And it's almost as if he's like, (laughs) yeah, it's almost as if he's like cursing Ash to become like him and like turn into who he is now in the future.
3: Yeah.
1: And he, he almost like considers himself, like Dino does, and all businessmen to be prostitutes. Like, he likens mm. it to that. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. But yeah. So, after d- yeah, all that. Yeah, is insane. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and after all that, Dino's just, like, st- like straddles him and is just, like, punching the shit out of him until, like, the doctor pulls him off and then, like, oh, man, I forgot. He says something as he walks away, like, you'll always be my toy or something along those lines. I yeah. don't know. No, uh,
1: he says something like, you, you were born a... Prostitute, and I'm gonna make you a wife or something. Oh, he says, I'm gonna make you a
2: chaste wife, which like insinuates that like he's not gonna like make advances on him anymore. He's like, You're, you're a whore, I'm not gonna allow you to continue being a whore, basically, and with which is weird, but uh, oh, that's oh, like God. how he's gonna get back at him, apparently.
0: <laughs> yeah, so eventually, Surin visits, visits uh, lung to find out the date of the party. This way, he's trying to find out they don't know it yet, and he runs into Blanca who's visiting at the same time. And then, as soon as they step in, they like hear gunshots, and Yetlong's like almost getting assassinated. But the two stop the assassin, who ends up like using a poison pill to kill himself, so they don't get it. It was like the the cook or somebody he had hired a month ago. Yeah, and like Blanca asks, like, who wants assassinating? Yetlong's like, dude, the list is way too big to even (laughs) even think about who this could be. And then Blanca decides to strike a deal with him. He says he will be his bodyguard and will do no killing. Outside of that duty. You We're know, just kind of like, okay. Yeah. And then and then they talk about attending the party, and then that's when Surin finds out that it's on the 20th. Afterwards, Blanca then meets with Dino and tells him about his contract with Yuk Long. And Dino hat has also found out that Ash is suffering from acute anorexia and is getting him the best treatment he can. And then they just show kind of quickly ends on AG and the gang are also ironing out their plans for saving Ash and then like Kane shows up and Kane's going to help them too. So we, this is a fairly large force at this point. Yeah. If Ren's involved and say he's his gangs with him, going with him also and Kane's involved and then Ash's gang this is a, a extremely large force of people we are talking about here going after one dude. This is so going to be really
2: interesting to see how this, that all clashes. Yeah. This can be interesting yeah. at this party. Um cool. So I'll note, uh, this episode, I, the ice palace was named after another F Scott Fitzgerald short story from 1920. It's about this Southern woman from Tarleton, Georgia, which may be why they chose to call like that fake middle Eastern country Talia at one point in the episode. It's kind of like Tarleton, but, uh, in courting this like northern bow of hers in the story she goes to an ice palace with him and just sort of becomes terrified by how cold and unfeeling it is compared to her like sun drenched southern hometown and I believe the insinuation is that Ash is kind of trapped in an ice palace and yeah, leading him I to despair and like Definitely. withering away and he's longing for that warm embrace of a <laughs> g
0: <laughs> god damn it. oh man
2: there's your literary breakdown <laughs>
0: Uh, why thank you, you be calm, Cat? <laughs> is there anything else you want to say?
1: No, yeah, I think I said everything. Okay, yeah, cool. I had all my notes.
0: Okay, well, we can move on to Zombie Land Saga, Episode Seven, but it's Zombie Mental Saga. So excited for this! Uh, you know, this episode. I think it started kind of slow, but man, it was just it really went into this one full throttle. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: yeah, <laughs> it, it got better.
0: Uh, So the girls are sitting around like trying to figure out what to do with Junko who has isolated herself away for two weeks at this point and she won't do Saga Rock. Uh, They really don't come to any conclusions or anything and Sakura's like, well, I'll go to uh, Kotaro to ask for advice and like the other girls are like, yeah, that's a dumb idea. Don't waste your time. And of course he goes to her and he yells at her and he's like, you figured out how to do it yourself, zombie girl. (laughs) And like that's that's just the end of it. That's it. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, so yeah, he's every time he's on screen, I'm fucking cracking up. He gets an especially headset. funny scene this episode. <laughs> yes. So the girls have practice, and the plan for the saga rock performance is mostly around I and Junko having solos, and they still haven't convinced Yugo to, to perform. And this is going to be a problem, obviously. Uh, Saki also brings up to I what is she going to do because she knows she's afraid of performing on the big stage again, under, especially under a storm like this. And she's the only one that really. That, actually even knows at the very end by this point, except for Junko. And again, basically nobody knows what to do yet about all this. And then like I's body is like literally falling apart from like the stress from, uh, Uh,
1: yeah. Junko is falling apart emotionally and I is literally falling apart physically.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that, that was pretty cool. Uh, and then this is where Kotaru visits Junko by kicking that the door and yelling, Kiki Blamo! Kiki Blamo! He's always going to make an entrance. Jesus. Of course. Uh, yeah, he does. He gives her motivational speech that actually, for once, to me, makes sense. And this isn't just like gibberish. Yeah. Uh, and he talks about, you know, it's been 30 years since she has died and the idol scene has changed. He also says, if you don't want to do the photo shoots, then don't do them and just say it's part of your character. And I'm like you, that's actually decent ass advice that would work. It's a perfect solution. Yeah. 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 Like or this idol doesn't do photo shoots. Ooh. Uh, he also tells her like to rely on her other zombies, you know, like an idol group should work together and that she's also not the only one suffering. And that's when he tells her about I situation. And that's when she's kind of like shit. I'm kind of <laughs> been making this all about myself. I should think about everybody else uh then he also tells her to open the box he has brought when she finds her resolve and then like leaves but become brings up the point where like <laughs> he tells her he's to like, fix, the oh, door. fix the door <laughs> <laughs> i love it and she does later it's so good <laughs> yeah except how she's fixing it i have no fucking idea because you can't fix hinges <laughs> from the outside with the door shut yeah that didn't make much sense yeah. you're right that's not how they work <laughs> <laughs> so the scene there's this really you, you like this too become they mm. do the scene transition of like Romeo howling at the moon, and like Tau Taya ta is with him on the roof howling with it, Ow! and I'm just like, I'm just like, yeah. So yeah, we <laughs> hadn't
2: mentioned those like uh, Romero the dog scenes very often, but like they're they're constant, like as like little transitions in the episodes. And right. this one I just pointed
0: out because like it was so good with Ty joining in with him. It Seriously. was just like a surprise out of nowhere, and you're like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's like this really, it's a quick small scene of like. I she like basically hallucinates that there's a storm and she's getting like really mad at herself because her body keeps reacting whenever there's like thunder and lightning and she cowers and she's like she just hates it mm. uh, and then we go to Junko fixing the door and apparently the hinge is on the outside of the door and not tucked away between the door and the frame so whatever yeah <laughs> yeah and then like it seems she's kind of find a resolve and she opens the box to find their new costumes uh and then the day of Saga Rock arrives and as they leave Junko comes like rushing out of the building and jumps in front of the van yelling I want to perform too. I knew but, it exactly <laughs> what was coming as soon as like she jumped oh, out. yeah. You, <laughs> and then you knew. And hits her and like even in the van you see his face and he's like oh no. And then was <laughs> no, no, like no. why do I have deja vu? Because they, they completely animated the exact same way her scene went with her flying through the air in the truck and everything. Yeah. It was oh god, it was so funny. Uh,
1: I bet you that Sakura is going to remember the whole thing soon. Like that's going to be a whole plot point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well,
0: later on, there's a scene. Well, Sakura, This whole time, Sakura in the episodes keeps getting flashbacks of stuff, and like she keeps getting the eye one of like, why do I keep kind of remembering her? And she does it again this episode with yeah. the high school. She's in the audience. But, like, yeah. Yeah. She never completely remembers for some reason. Uh. So just before they go on stage. Kotaru like wants to get a good look at he's like I just when you're up there I can't I won't be able to help you anymore so I just want to get a good look at all of you before you go on and Sakura's like oh he's giving us attention actually cares for us and he's just like spraying them with like water repellent <laughs> and they're all like choking <laughs> coughing and hacking he's like ha ha this will keep the makeup from coming off and then like soggy picks up a can and she's like she goes, hey, this this is for shoes. <laughs> Leather shoes, yeah. <laughs> so oh, like, my yeah. God. So, like, it's like.
1: My question was, like, why is he just now bringing out this shit? Why didn't he <laughs> bring out this waterproof spray before with all the mud and shit that they went through? I, he just didn't have
0: the thought until now. I don't know. But it's funny because. Okay, but, like.
1: Okay, go ahead first. For, okay, and then I'll say i say Because Saki's
0: like, he's, like, Sakura was, like, oh, he's actually treating us like human beings rather than fucking shit and then Saki's like oh no he's just treating us like shoes
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay that's first grade shit with makeup all girls know if you want your makeup to stick you gotta put the spray on after you put all your makeup on it's like hairspray for your face that's what you put on if you're going to the club you put the spray on so like I don't know how he's supposed to be like a grade A makeup artist and he doesn't doesn't use the spray until now
2: it's <laughs> to like, me dude. it was just like the show needed a way to have it not be a plot point or a plot hole that it's gonna rain obviously at the concert and they don't want their makeup to come off so they introduced this yeah. spray
1: i know yeah. it's all just for the anime it's yeah. all just so it could be convenient and they could have a plot point early i know <laughs> i'm just saying it doesn't make sense yeah. okay
0: yeah, so the girls on the sidewalk sidelines and they're watching Iron Frill on Stage, which is uh I's old group. And then Junko kinda finally gets why I was a little resentful at first for doing the idol thing again, since she has already like fought to get farther than they even are now, and then get completely set back. Yeah. So that was kinda cool. Yeah. And I then, did
1: have a thought at this moment though, that mm-hmm. like if she goes up on stage, isn't everyone gonna recognize I as like the dead idol.
0: That's what I expected too. <laughs> yeah, I did yeah. too. But they ju- they don't I, really go there.
1: Well, they don't do it and they they almost like cover it up with like anime magic. No one
2: notices. Like, mm-hmm. you know. Well, well, that one guy like,
0: seems to, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, then like, well, we don't know about Tai, but we know Lily used to be on stage. Junko used to be on stage and nobody's really recognizing them. Even from like 30 years ago from Junko, that somebody would have picked up on this. If they were famous uh,
2: enough, yeah. I, I, yeah. I would expect, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, but so the girls are backstage and they're getting ready to go on and there's, like, this funny scene where, like, Ty's mimicking Saki and she doesn't really seem to notice. <laughs> yeah. but I thought it was just, like, cute and adorable as fuck. <laughs> yeah, she was starting she, to act really, like, human because she was saying, like, rah, rah, she was, yeah, like... like like, mimicking They weren't really words, but they were noisy enough mm-hmm. you could kind of get what she was saying. So, yeah. <laughs> I... She's getting close. If I I want to guess, episode 12 is going to be like Ty finally getting her human side back and then like giving us like this like crazy ass performance at the end. So like we've talked about who her voice actor is, which is the voice of Sailor Moon. So Mm -hmm. it's like, whoa, why do we have her on here? And all we've had her do so far is... (laughs) right i mean maybe
1: maybe the voice of sailor moon is just old and lazy and wants to have an easy part i don't know (laughs) she's Uh, like i'm done with these hard roles
0: (laughs) uh okay well she her birthday is only 1967 so I think she probably looked at this role and said, "This sounds really fun." (laughs) That's that's more (laughs) likely. Yeah, she
1: probably went. You know what? It's not serious. I don't have to worry a lot. I just get to play around.
0: Right. That's probably fun (laughs) for her. Uh, So it starts raining just before the girls go on stage, and like some of the crowd starts leaving because of it, obviously. And and there was like some mention. They're like, "I've never even heard of these people." Let's go. Uh, And then just right off the bat, the girls start bombing because people are noticing they're like they're tense as hell and eyes like. Barely able to to sing because of like the thunder lightning. Every time it does, she's like, and then I love or something. In another and word. I'll say like initially with this
2: scene, I was not liking it. The CGI dancing was really rough. <laughs> uh, really rough, yeah. and, um, and I know was, they were supposed to look bad, but they looked bad, and then they looked also bad because of the CGI. <laughs> but I so, do feel like this scene brings it back around. So yeah,
0: yeah, you, yeah, I see your notes. You, mm-hmm. you, 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 <laughs> you went from one side to the other. So mm-hmm. I finally starts kind of snapping out of it uh, once she realizes Junko like has her back. Yeah, and then the song starts getting a little bit, well, a lot more upbeat. And girls start loosening up themselves and then bam they get hit by lightning. <laughs> and like Well,
1: before you get to the part <laughs> with the lightning, I will say I was really impressed with how well Junko's like voice actor does the singing parts. Like they oh my god, she could sing. Whoever's doing Junko. So I
2: agree with you. I think she's a great yeah. singer, but I did not think her voice mm-hmm. matched her voice her character's voice. Like it felt like a completely I, I different also voice. Will agree.
0: Yeah, Yeah,
1: it feels like different. I don't know. It's too deep for her. We all three
0: agree on that. We thought it could have possibly been somebody else. I don't know. Or if she can really do that, damn, for her. Yeah. That was amazing. Uh, So they get hit by lightning, Like some of the stage is like destroyed, mainly like the lights above and stuff like that.
1: And I will say at this point, I predicted this. I called it.
0: You did predict They got this. hit
1: by lightning. If we knew
0: they were ha! getting hit by lightning. Give me a break.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then like one of the staff's like, holy shit check on so-and-so and this and like Gotard like takes his thing from him and he's like, Start the music. <laughs> so good. <laughs> And, like the girls are like glowing now good. And their voices are all Auto-tuned They're vocaloids <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> They're not Yeah
1: and I was like but that wouldn't happen
2: oh, but, but of it's course so it's an good. anime It's so. it it
0: perfect It, it is good. so funny yeah, because I think this show is doing a lot of parodying of like anime stuff. So like doing the Vocaloid thing is like, yes, pretty genius how they pulled that one off. <laughs> so yeah, and like like I said, their bodies are glowing, they're dancing, they're doing their thing, and then suddenly they all get the all the superpowers we ever wanted was finger lasers and they're shooting from their fingers. So it's, like good. the crowd is losing uh-huh. their shit and everything, and like they end it, and then like they're, they're just like,
3: yeah, that was the best ever,
0: <laughs> and then like we see the- they got an article published about them. And it's titled "Angel Angels Descend on Saga Rock."
1: <laughs> yep. The only thing I will pick at nitpick at at the end of this is at the very end of their song, the sun comes back up and it immediately stops raining as they finish the song, and that was a little bit fucking too no, cheesy. And then you have to admit. Standing
0: on the side, and what's he say? He's like, I don't, I don't remember, remember what he says, but it was funny because this, then the sun was like really relevant on them, <laughs> him. <laughs> <laughs> So, also, there was the reporter guy. They don't, he's no monologue, but he's, like, looking at them, and he's, like, it looks like he's figured something out, like, maybe who one of them is. Yeah. But it, they don't say. So, you're just, like, okay. Yeah, it's still a little bit of a well, mystery. Well, the
1: reporter guy, his whole monologue in his head is that song, that creepy song. Every move you make. What is it? <laughs> Every, Every step I'll be watching you. I'll be watching you. Yeah, That's and like him, this
2: whole episode. Kodoro, I think the thing he said was like, now they look like real idols. Or they're starting to sound like real idols. Something like that. Yeah, <laughs> At the end yeah. There. yeah. But yeah, he's oh, a man. creeper, basically. Yeah, the, <laughs> You think I, he's a creeper? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> throughout <laughs>
1: this episode he is. He's a journalist. He, he just, just watches doing menacingly. He's doing his fucking job.
0: <laughs>
1: well, I don't know. He just looks creepy. He just like hangs around and stares at them menacingly.
0: I, th- I didn't feel like he was staring at him menacingly. I think he was staring at him like he was kind of like horrified, like I said, because I think he figured he's like, whoa, 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 that person's supposed to be fucking dead. Like that's the look I got on his face, not menacingly. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I just was like, oh, this guy's creepy. But then again, I don't know. He's knows. an idol
0: journalist. He's got his photographer with him. It's, it's just another day on the job, really. Yeah. Yeah, I hated the CGI dancing, but it kind
2: of matched the Vocaloid aesthetic think, in the end. I think I heard it goes away next episode Ooh, or two.
0: Well, that's good.
1: I would rather them just not have the dance if they're going to give us these bullshit CGI dances. Well, Just don't show it.
0: Okay, so what I've noticed, for especially this season, is that CGI anymore is meant for... Action, lots of movement, yeah. Almost, most definitely for cost reasons, yes. Time reasons, it's easier to like. It, and if you look at running, running with the wind, it's hidden better. But a bunch of that running, there was it was CGI. Yep. Last episode. True.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I could, I noticed.
0: Yeah. It's just so, like,
1: it needs to be blended well. And in this one, it's just not blended well.
0: Right. Well, this one, I don't really fault it because it's purely the dancing. Yeah. And I'm just like, hmm. And like back with Double Decker, like it was the car, the action scenes, the flowing of uh, Pink's jacket, stuff like that. So.
2: And actually, in this same episode, there's a great example of what it could look like because Iron Frill is not CGI when they're dancing. But the thing is, they only show us like two shots of the girls moving... Because that's all the time that they yeah, have to co- actually compared animate. to
0: how much of the yeah.
2: dancing we see of the zombie girls. Yeah, you like you see like difference. one shot exactly. of her legs and like one shot of her singing, and that's it. And it looks nice; it looks more fluid. But they obviously don't have the time to animate an entire performance like that. Yeah, so that's what's why they not acceptable. Mm-hmm. Is CGI
0: bears? You know, those are, those are not good. <laughs> so bad. Yeah, that's where we draw the line. That's absolutely unacceptable. <laughs> right. So speaking of that, what's funny is. All the action in Karakuri Circus is gorgeous and drawn.
2: So well drawn. Like I yeah. was noticing it at the very beginning really of this is. episode, that opening fight. Holy shit. So good. Yep. I yep. know. Okay, Take this so, away, cat <laughs>
1: Karakai Circus, episode seven, demonic. So the episode starts with Narumi pretty much just like whooping those puppets that he was attacking at the end of the last episode at the hospital. Mm. And once again, it's repeated that his spiritual energy attack style is really effective against the puppets because it's like oscillating in a certain frequency or something, Yeah, which I don't think they need to explain it that detailed. Just be like, it's really effective or something,
2: (laughs) you know? (laughs) Um, Narumi used skill. It guy, was super effective.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was super effective, pretty much. Um, the new bad guy says he's pretty good. And then th- then they go into this action scene that is pretty amazing. Like, so it's good. A re- it's probably one of the best in action scenes I've seen in years, probably. And at this point, Narumi affirms to himself... The only reason he's living is to fight for the kids because he got this Aqua Vita instead of them. Mm-hmm. And, like, he, he almost is going into this, like, emo, sad, like, drama filled narrative. And I mean, it works for this action scene, but I got, I got a little irritated with it towards the end. I'm not going to lie.
3: <laughs> oh, really? Um, hmm.
1: At one point, Guy is like, turn the switch on your shoulder because he's like, Narmi's in a bad position. And he does, and it releases a hidden blade within Narumi's shoulder,
0: which breaks and immediately. It helps him win. Yeah, it just like, the fuck? The fuck? Well, yeah. but it
1: does do its job. Yeah,
0: it's true. it like
1: it like stabs the dude and it helps him win against the boss, or so they think. And then then Narumi goes into like emo mode for a second again, and he's like, "I'm not a human anymore. I'm a demon that will crush you." <laughs> and then the
0: boss is okay. like, "I do not <laughs> think that's emo at all. He's being extremely intimidating. When is an emo intimidating?"
1: Okay, (laughs) you'll see why I... I will make my case later on why I think (laughs) this is an emo mood that he's in. Okay. But anyway, so the boss has one last puppet literally, like, hidden inside his suit. And it, like, bursts out of his chest. But then Narumi... This is, like, the most epic part for me. Yeah. Takes the broken blade that's resting on, like, the top of his foot. Hefts it in the air with his foot. Kicks it, kind of. Catches it in his teeth. And, like, cuts the doll in half with it in his teeth. So, That's God. epic. It, he, <laughs> That's like, so he slices him in half, then
2: he punches him, and, like, he, the doll explodes into little pieces all over. And it's just, like, so intricately well animated. I was blown away by it. I was like, wow, they spent a lot of time on this little cut of this fight. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. So good.
1: It was really good. Like, damn. And then the boss tries to attack him with the spikes again. Like, the boss will not fucking go down. Like, <laughs> he beats him, like, four times. I don't know. But they don't work... For, the spikes don't work very well on Narumi's flesh. And Narami, Okay, this is when I, when I decided he was being emo. <laughs> so... Narumi does a mini speech about how he needs to feel a fraction of these kids' pain or he won't even know why he's alive
2: anymore. That's pretty emo. That's
1: emo. That's (laughs)
2: fucking emo. When you say it like that, yeah. (laughs) That's
1: literally what he said. So and, and at that point, I was like, "Well, why don't you just go get some face paint and put it down your face, Narmy?" <laughs>
2: Listen to the, have some evanescence. Like,
1: exactly.
0: Oh God, this bringing it, it back. <laughs>
1: oh my gosh so once he beats the boss he turns back oh and you know what could have been playing in the background during this next scene evanescence (laughs) like without a soul but anyway (laughs) once he beats the boss he turns back and all the kids are terrified of him and this hurts narami and he's like oh what have i become wake me up inside
2: sorry <laughs> alright somebody make this AMV cause this scene looks amazing you just set it to fucking wake me up inside it's perfect do it you can somebody's gonna it would do
1: it perfe- it would work perfectly
0: <laughs> yeah so. and like you said the scene's so well animated it would be it'd be pretty good <laughs> it'd be gorgeous
1: yeah but he's like I can't scare these kids any more than I have and he like puts on the mask that Lucille offered him earlier and is like all dramatic about it
3: mm-hmm.
1: and it, and Tom, like, is one of the only kids, the blonde one, who isn't scared, and he thanks Narumi and and Narumi's like, in order to protect the kids, I will become a shirogane. And it's all dramatic.
0: Yeah, dun, dun, dun. But, And that
1: at least was a, a little bit better of a tone to end, because like for a little bit in the middle, I think I made my point as to why he was being kind of emo. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: that's fair. So at least
1: they <laughs> ended it on a better note. So... Um, <laughs> Then they switch to Shirogane and Masaru, who have apparently gone on a summer vacation with the circus. That circus they joined in the last episode. Yep. And they make money at construction sites along the way in order to actually be able to put on the show. And it shows that there's this like girl assassin after Masaru. Like she's got this chart in her hands that's like wanted and like Masaru's picture on it. But as she's sitting there, she really likes this clown that's performing. And she offers to play a game and make a bet over it, over the game with the clown. The first one to hit the other's body with their gear wins. But the clown, you find out, is actually Shirogane. And as she's, like, taking off her outfit, the assassin, like, does nick Shirogane's hair. So Shirogane loses but it also becomes clear to the assassin that Shirogane is like really skilled, you know? Yeah. So I think she tries to like throw some knives and barely misses two. Um, and Shiragane points out that the assassin like must also be from a circus since she called her white face and most people wouldn't know the, different types of clowns. I guess there's more than one fucking type of clown. <laughs> I Not didn't that you research need this.
0: Them. Did you guys research <laughs> no,
1: this? clowns I, are I, fucking terrifying. I should
2: have. I think about it. But yeah.
1: <laughs> um, and then the assassin remarks that she likes Shirogane and that she makes her forget her job. And they sit down, and the assassin drinks beer while Shiragane drinks strawberry milk. I also noticed this. Which is so weird. I was like,
2: "That's my kind of girl."
1: <laughs> yeah, she's also like young. Um, it reminds
2: and, you that she's not like probably of age to be drinking. So that makes sense, I guess. But
1: I guess the assassin yeah, says she's from Shiragane an American 19?
2: circus. She's like eighteen, I think. Maybe, maybe. Uh, yeah, something like that. Maybe. Or si- was she sixteen? We looked this up, I don't even remember. She was really young.
0: It was said in, like, the last episode or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, like, we're, we're led to believe Vilma's probably 20-something. Wait, what What drinking age in Japan is lower than there right? I think it might be 18, but I'm not positive about that. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I mean, it makes sense to why Shirogane can be so, like, damn naive sometimes. But anyway, so the assassin says that she's from an American circus, <clears throat> and, although, and she always thought she would be a knife thrower, like her dad, but then her younger brother got zonophobia or whatever... I can't say the name of the fucking disease. It's like
2: Zonifa. And yeah. That's Zonifa,
1: weird. yeah. And her parents worked themselves to death trying to like pay for the treatment. Little side call out to America's health healthcare system there. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, by the,
2: oh, by the way, she, she wanted Japanese, to make money. Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Japanese drinking age is 20 for anybody who wanted to know.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Hmm. Um, and she wanted to make more money, too, but she couldn't make enough with, like, her knife skills. So her brother died at 15. Da na And I also want to make a little side note. Like, you learned her name is Vilma. Mm-hmm. I think it's a bit hilarious that they gave Vilma a black cowboy outfit because she's from America. They're <laughs> so like, what would an American assassin wear? Well, it's got to be black because she's an assassin.
0: And she's from and a she's circus, an so she's got to have a costume.
2: She's a ninja cowboy. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, she's a
1: ninja cowboy, apparently. Um, Shiragane goes to return some balloons at some point during this episode, and Vilma's like, "All right, gonna make my new move. Gonna kill a little child now." <laughs> and she says, "Like, forgive me, Jim," before she tries to kill Masaru. And Masaru says, "He knew this time would come someday, so I'm not gonna cry," and is like all dramatic about it. Well, Somehow, we know Masaru's
0: like, a badass at this point. Like,
1: well, but yeah. He's going to face his shit and head then, on. <laughs> yeah. And, and then Vilma, like, misses, but you can tell she misses because, like, she's having doubts about whether she really wants to kill a little kid. And Shirogane jumps in front of Masaru <laughs> at this point.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> and Vilma's like, it's a shame that we're going to have to fight because I could have been friends with you. And then she kind of points out, like, well, you get paid to take care of him too. So I guess it's all business. And Shiragana gets stabbed like a fuck ton of times protecting Masaru during this fight. right
0: in the face and forehead.
2: She becomes a human pincushion. Uh, (laughs) Pretty much. It's ridiculous. Like,
1: if she. And at this point, you find out later that, like, she has, like, the Aqua Vitae, too, probably. Because she heals, like, yeah. immediately.
0: Okay. That's yeah. that's the thing. Like, it, I feel like the show is suggesting she has the Aqua mite vita, yeah. or vitra yeah, or whatever you want to call she, it. But mm-hmm. earlier on, she didn't heal quick. Yeah, oh. I feel
1: like this is a plot point. Because all she says is, I have special life within her, within me. But, like, the way it is healing her... I also think it has to be the Aqua Vitae stuff. But like it similar, did not yeah. happen earlier. It has to be you that are totally or right. Something Leo.
0: similar. Yeah. There's there's no other explanation at this point. But <laughs> yeah, it,
1: it totally you're right, Leo, it did not happen earlier. So it's a plot point. It's a plot error, in yeah. my opinion.
0: Interesting. <laughs> plot hole. Yeah.
1: Yep. But um anyway, so like she's she's a human pen cushion. Um <laughs> Masu like gets in front of Shirgan and is like I thought you might have been a good person, but you're a bad person. And then Vilma gets some sort of like crazy psychological flashback and is like, I'm not a bad person. Don't look at me
2: like that. Cause she sees her brother, right? She sees yeah, her little her brother in Masaru. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also Masaru has like this power with his eyes. Like people look into his eyes and they see things that they know from the past. Like that guy from the other episode. <laughs> it's definitely a, it's oh, a running really? theme. <laughs>
1: I hope not, because if so, that will make me upset. Because he doesn't deserve that power. (laughs) (laughs) He deserves to struggle a little bit. Become
0: his power is supposed to be basically being able to learn to be a puppeteer like fucking instantaneously. So,
3: (laughs)
1: exactly, he can't have another power. Otherwise, yeah. he'll be like Dragon Ball Zing this shit.
2: Well, we he's don't want about that. to get another one. Did you did you talk about how you will? I think how, how he is gonna like drink fucking what's her name Shurigane's blood. Yeah, now? Oh, he's also gonna become God. like an immortal
1: vampire or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like he can't have another power, so he better not have the ability to look people in the eyes. Right, that's all I'm saying.
0: Well, he um, can he can survive an 18 story fall headbutt. So true. he's pretty invincible he in can, my book.
1: <laughs> he can survive anything that the plot allows him to survive. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the distraction that that this little psychological moment gives Shiragane allows her to hit Vilma with the puppet and like deflect, basically hit her and make her injured. And she clarifies that Masaru's like, Masu doesn't pay me, I just love him, fucking bitch. And then <laughs> I don't know. She's like, <laughs> look at me. I can heal and shit, and like pulls all the knives out.
3: <laughs>
1: and um, Shiragane hits Vilma with like the Arlequin doll a few more times at this point. And masaru's like, you should stop now because I want you to live. Um, and then you get a flashback of Vilma and her brother Jim. And like, she's really pissed off at the doctors for not being able to cure him. And he's like, "Don't be mad, be happy." And, and I just got that like Glad uh, commercial in my head. Don't be mad, be
0: glad. Be glad. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, you are right. And
1: though. you know, and she, she like tries to do this trick with him where she like stabs the the apple on his head, but he like faints right before she does it in the hospital, and um. Dies, you know, he it dies, and and basically, she, as he dies, he's like live on, no. and you know, she's all regretful, and you know, all that. Um, so she faints, and then when she wakes up, they have taken her back to the circus, and and Shiragane's like, all right, just fucking leave, cause like this was your one chance, I'm not giving you another chance and Vilma's like you're a monster um, because I know that you were gonna kill me and Masaru told you not to kill me aren't I right Mm -hmm. and she's like yeah you're right and then Vilma's like ooh but if you're a monster you could be a sexy
2: monster baby
1: and then she like hits on her (laughs) fucking fucking
2: Idiot. And then I rewinded Um, that scene three
0: times.
1: (laughs) You would. You
0: would. I I did rewatch it it too. Because I was like, whoa. whoa, whoa, I gotta rewatch this. It's only
1: like five seconds long, but it's a pretty damn sexy five minutes. Five seconds. I
2: I love how she like jumps back into like her like little cot or like her sleeping bag or whatever she has. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was good.
1: But yeah, so after that cute little scene. There's a flashback of Masaru agreeing to let Shiragane like give Masaru her blood because it's going to protect him from disease and injury. So apparently Masaru is now a vampire, as we were saying earlier. (laughs) Um, And then at the very end of this episode, we find out that Vilma is going to join the circus because she thinks it'll be more fun than killing people. So now they have someone else in their party. I'm glad to have
0: Vilma on our side. Me too. She's sexy. She's cool. (laughs) Um, (laughs) sexy
2: Vilma. so like all three characters are like Wolverine in terms of like just regeneration now apparently probably so I guess probably the the threat is not going to be so much a physical one moving forward as like something else uh maybe protecting people in the circus or something I don't know but it seems like they're kind of OP at this point
1: yeah like they're they're Acquiring superpowers too quickly for my taste. Yeah. I don't like it when they make it too
0: easy. Man, especially with 36 episodes, this is only episode seven. Yeah, seven. Jesus.
2: Yeah, that's why I'm curious like what the threat is going to be going forward. Um, because it's not gonna be like physical harm necessarily. Yeah. It'll be something else. The
0: the, the pace is like very fast, but it's engaging and like it's not off putting in a fast way.
2: Like it's yeah.
0: really really grabs your attention and just keeps you there so far at this point. So like I mean, a 7 episode run of just that alone's pretty good. To do this for 36 episodes, I'm going to have to see what this does, but Yeah. It's good so far. So, oh yeah, we'll see. Yeah.
1: It is good so far. I still really like it. I'm just skeptical if they're if they're escalating this fast. But they still could surprise us.
2: Agreed. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's move on to our newest show that we added to replace Double Decker. to it. You. Oh,
1: yes. So. It's so much fucking better than Double Decker. Admit it, Leo.
2: <laughs> oh, I,
0: I don't think Leo's going to admit anything.
1: <laughs> what do you think of this, Leo? <clears throat> uh... <sighs>
0: Let's see here. It unfortunately has the effect of making... Oh, okay. So I liked the soundtrack early in the episode. <laughs> yeah, it was it nice. unfortunately has the effect of making my eyelids heavy. If I'm going to listen to oh. like music like that, I can't be sitting still. I need to be like doing work around the house or driving or something mm-hmm. to grab my attention, not sit here and read this boring dialogue between these two lesbians. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
2: So, I, I kind of agree with you, Leo, that, like, uh, the show... What? Well, no, I'm, I'm not going to say it in a bad way, but I agree that the show, like, sort of lulls you into this slow momentum that it has, mm-hmm. and if you're not quite, like, grabbed by what's happening, then you could find this, like, very sleep-inducing, like, very easily. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so if you're going to play, agree, if you're not gonna play that music, yeah. if you're going to play some Mozart, I need some slow-motion explosions <laughs> and karate <laughs> chops to the neck oh, and God. stab wounds this- to the thighs and shit like that to like not put me to sleep yeah. or like like you See, said just is, really slow me down or something like that.
1: This is the kind of show though where like there's a lot of psychological stuff happening here but you're going to miss it if you're not paying attention to what's going on. Yeah. Like you can miss a very small little thing that happens and you can miss a lot.
0: Yeah, I this it whole time I was we're... waiting for like Sayaka to like go on like a fucking murderous rampage out of jealousy. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for it to happen. It never happens, but <laughs> you need to watch <laughs> school days, Leo. That's that's <laughs> the anime for you. <laughs> go ahead. Yes. Kat, tell tell us about this this episode. All right, so um just <laughs> uh, as a Become? means of catching Whatever. people up. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I'm cat
2: now. Uh catching up with people up like <laughs> very quickly. Cat, you're
0: cold, it's sounding horrible. Your voice is so deep. <laughs> oh, <yeah.
2: laughs> Uh, so the main two characters you and Toko uh, you is this girl who has not really gone through a sexual awakening yet uh, but like Toko like falls in love with her like the first episode and kind of they come to this agreement that Toko is going to keep acting like sort of like she like you is her girlfriend and you just going to like sort of allow this to be the case uh, and you is sort of interested in finding out if she can find a way to love somebody and feel that feeling that she's never really felt and so that kind of has evolved like I remember back in the impressions I actually talked about like the first five episodes because I had watched all of them at that point Uh, but the only one that we haven't talked about is episode six where we actually find out a lot about Toko's backstory and what makes her tick and that is basically that she had an older sister who actually ran the student council back in her day Uh, and she was like little miss perfect like her whole family and everybody like looked up to her including Toko and she died. And then, like, basically, after she died, like, at the funeral, they show, like, everybody talking to Toko saying, like, you need to be a good girl to, like, make up for your sister dying, basically. It's like it, a lot of pressure well, is put on her to follow in well, that, that sounds girl's like footsteps. Japan.
0: Uh, did they say how she died? I I, I was going to rewatch she that episode She got in a car today. accident. Is that it? Okay, yeah.
1: I believe, I believe she got in a car accident. Uh, and I really think that this is a, a very real... Thing that happens when a sibling dies when you're young, yeah. Um, because I actually have a friend who this something similar happened to with their brother. It's almost like you feel like you need to make up for that void, right? Right. Because like everyone misses them, and it's so sudden, and it yeah. shapes who you are when you're young. Like that, when that happens, in a lot of ways.
0: But only for an older so, si- sibling, right?
1: Yeah, I-, I think it only works for an older sibling because when you're young, you aren't shaped yourself yet but your older sibling has like a shaped personality. I think it only works with that dynamic. Yeah. So.
2: And so Toko seems to be like living sort of a double life and the private life that she only allows you to see is the one where she's vulnerable and she sort of allows herself to be like the sort of like weaker and a little bit, you know, shyer person than what the front that she's putting on when she's pretending to be her student council, perfect sister. Um, And so that's how the relationship has kind of developed between you and Toko over time is, like, understanding that dynamic. So we get to this episode. The other interesting factor is Toko's other close friend on the student council, Sayaka. And so we get into her this episode. Um, Before she ever met Toko, when she was in middle school, she was at this all-girls, like, rich girl school. And this girl confessed to her, and they started dating. Um, but it was when a
0: senpai specific uh, senpai yeah older girl yeah
2: but when high school began for the older girl they spent less and less time together and eventually this girl one day just told sayaka like we need to stop pretending that we're dating that was just a phase that we went through mm-hmm. and this is actually something that commonly gets re- represented in anime as a class s relationship uh and like these types of relationships are actually, funnily enough, like heavily influenced by the Takarazuka review from Review Starlight as like the all female cast like played male romantic parts in the Takarazuka review and influenced audiences of like young girls to go back home and like pursue these like romantic ish -ish relationships with like girls in their like class but in a way that it was very like this is a phase this ends when we graduate and then we go look for boys type of thing
0: um yeah so So, interestingly enough i've had a a british female friend she went to an all girl school and she said this was extremely similar to how it was at their school oh yeah interesting Yeah, so like this this wasn't just one like a uh, nationality. This is actually was another one that was pretty different, so. Yeah. I uh, think this is
1: a thing that happens a lot in a lot of different cultures. Like in the US, a lot of middle school or high school girls will have a phase like this as well. And the, and it's usually like, "Ooh, it's the cool thing to do." But then eventually you're supposed to not do it anymore. Right. And it's kind of interesting. Sayaka like is
2: <laughs> really struggling with this because like she's like, all right, I'm gonna put these feelings aside. I'm gonna go to this co-ed high school and I'm not gonna let this affect me anymore. But clearly it's she is who she is, and that's not working. Um, she like like her grades slip when she goes to high school because of this is weighing heavily on her. And instead of her being the class representative, this girl Toko is. And, yeah, it's, like, she's, like, a little annoyed at this at first, but then, like, as soon as she sees Toko at the opening ceremony, she basically falls in love with her at first sight, which it's hard to blame her because Toko is pretty special. But, um, like, since then, Sayaka has basically accepted her role as the number two to Toko, uh, if only just to be closer to her, to be by her side.
1: Well, it's almost like she's created this false, like, distance between them. Yes. Um to almost protect herself from failure again. Exactly. And I think if she had not done that, if she had been more, like, herself with um, Nanami from the beginning, I think they could have ended up together. Like, they could have dated.
2: It's very possible. But
1: yeah. Because, yeah, like, I, I think Toko... Who, Toko is Nanami. I, yeah, yeah. Toko uh, Nanami. I think Toko yeah. at one point does say, like, oh, she only likes me because I have this, like very perfect persona. But really if if you've heard Sayaka talk about Toko, she knows all about her flaws. No matter how Toko tries to hide them. Yeah. Like it's not about her her perfect persona at all for Sayaka. Toko has this very false impression of what Sayaka wants from her. Yeah. And it's because of that distance that Sayaka put up herself.
2: Agreed. Yeah. And so, if you remember, like, you asked Koyomi, like, the girl who, like, wrote a novel, if she was interested in writing for the school council play that they're going to be putting on, and Koyomi was interested, so now she's asking you for character details for Toko's part, and you has a lot of trouble with this, because, like, she knows... Toko very in depth and personally now but almost everything she knows about Toko she can't tell Koyomi because it would like hint at the closeness of their relationship and then also expose Toko for being completely like different than how she presents herself yeah being somebody else
0: completely different
2: yeah Mm -hmm. and so uh, Sayaka also after this sees that Toko has gotten yet another love letter this time from a girl and Toko's like oh no another girl this was so hard last time I made her cry the last time this happened Um, And Sayaka's like, well, is it just because you don't like girls? And Toko's like, well, that's not the issue. Uh, It's just that letting down girls can be hard. And yeah, so I think Sayaka is kind of encouraged that Toko doesn't say, doesn't close that door. Um, As a side note, I really like in this scene how the camera frames Sayaka and Toko through a window with this large beam separating them it's a definitely a, a, a motif throughout the episode where they are separated by a barrier which Sayaka is constantly talking about how like she she feels that Toko is putting him a barrier to keep people at arm's length uh, but Sayaka is also putting a barrier in between her and Toko to keep things status quo and not like rock the boat mm-hmm. um, so Sayaka thinks to herself as long as Toko stays alone and untouchable she can remain by her side and she can be happy with that um, and Toko actually thinks to herself, like, Sayaka is very nice, but in a very different way from you. Sayaka never oversteps any of her boundaries and only asks Toko to play the role of the, like, perfect student council president, like her perfect older sister, Mio. And so, like, obviously you like, gets up into, like, Toko's face and, like, confronts her and, and steps over boundaries constantly. And, yeah, it's completely different. But she is looking out for Toko in the same way um sayaka and toko meet you and koyomi at a cafe to talk about the play and they're greeted by the cafe's owner who is this young woman named mia or uh, miyako is her full name uh who flirts with toko a bit saying like oh i always remember a pretty face which is your first hint <laughs> about her but more interestingly their japanese teacher riko hakazaki arrives at the cafe and is also greeted by Mia and she acts very close with her they say like they're old classmates from college but it's clear that like Rico is a little bit nervous about the girl seeing her it's obvious yeah it's very exactly obvious exactly that these two are together and Sayaka Completely. definitely yeah. picks up on it like you see her like noticing her eyes widen a right. bit and,
0: and, and this is when she murders them out jealous rage <laughs>
2: You really want school She's days like, to happen you in this anime. <laughs> I want you, something you that interests what I me can't have. to happen. <laughs> yeah. so, so Toko and you walk home alone together from the cafe. And Toko asks you if she can call her by her first name around other people. Oh, man.
0: This fucking scene, it, it happens in so many anime. And like I get it's a thing in Japan. Yeah. But if you're going to put it into a piece of entertainment, you got to give it some some kind of twist something uh, I, that sets it apart from the rest of it. I
2: kind of agree with you. It's I it was really adorable the way Toko reacted. Uh but it's also yeah. like I've seen it yeah. a million
0: times. I'm like Julio, I've I've seen this scene thousands of times. Yeah. You need it, like I, like I just said, you need some kind of twist, something that makes it something that sets it apart from the rest of this type of scene. But I and I they kind of delve on it more when like they're having their like little meeting, but even then not really.
2: Yeah. More interestingly, we get a short scene with Rico and Miyako who are back at their shared apartment. They live together, and obviously are lovers, like we could have guessed. Mm,
0: and Miyako's looking good. <laughs> she, got, she just got
2: out of the bath, I think, yeah.
0: And she got some short shorts on, like this half tank top, showing off that midriff, I think. Am <laughs> thinking about the right show? Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: Leo's like, Leo, daddy likes. That's what Leo's thinking and
3: said.
2: <laughs> um, so Rico tells her, like, we need to be more careful about not being found out. Like, we live pretty close to the school, and it's convenient, but Clearly, Rico is trying to hide the fact that they're a couple. Uh, I'm guessing. I guess
1: because school teachers can't be openly gay and keep their jobs in Japan, probably. Right. I get who.
0: Like, I'm saddened that she has to do that, but I know she's doing it because of the way society is. They can't be as open as you can in like America. You're a lot more open now, Mm -hmm. especially compared to Japan. But
1: they're just a little behind. And they're not like super super behind they're probably just like 10 or 20 years behind us kind
2: of yeah and like there are some very like lgbt supportive like people in japan like it's not like all of japan is behind there and this might even just be a specific situation where he she views like either the administration at her school or maybe the students at her school would view her differently and she doesn't want she's just gonna get like so
0: much flack her literal life will be Di- extra well, Or she
1: just doesn't want it to be something that everyone has to bring up when they mention her. Because that's yeah. the way it is. Because like at my school, I grew up in very conservative Indiana. There was a gay gym teacher at my school. Mm-hmm. She had a wife. I guarantee you, anytime anyone brought up that gym teacher, the fact that she was gay and had a wife was mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe she just doesn't want that. Maybe she wants people not to Have that be the first thing they know about her all of the time. It could be that
0: too. Yeah, I mean the goal is to get to the point to where like if I if I if you were to say, Oh, Mr L has a wife, to like get to the point to where like it doesn't mean a fucking thing. Yeah. (laughs) They're just married. Yeah. You know? That's the the point. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But yeah. So unfortunately that's not the case yet. So um, back at the student council room, there's a brief scene where Toko tries out calling you by her first name in front of the others, like the guys and everybody. And like one of the guys, Suguru, is like, oh, I'm so jealous. Like, and the girls just kind of ignore him Like when he asks to be called by his first name. And then, like, Sayaka instead tries out, like, calling you by her first name and is, like, annoyed both by you's, like, nonchalant, like, okay, you can call me that. And also by, like, Toko's, like, clear jealousy. <laughs> <laughs> and so she's like, I'm going to stick with Koito. I'm not doing this. <laughs> um, yeah. And so Sayaka's clearly worried by Toko's closeness with you, but she still tries to, like, tell herself, like, oh no, Toko will always be alone. There's no way anything will ever happen. But she goes back to the cafe to speak with Miyako and she's clearly pining for the type of relationship that Rico and Mia seem to have. And she straight up just asks Mia, like, are you actually dating Rico? And Mia is way more casual than Rico and says like, yeah, we're girlfriends. And please don't tell her. I told you that (laughs) because she's like the uptight one. I don't want her to find out. But, um, like Mm -hmm. Mia tells her like, yeah, when I was younger, like you, I also felt that I had to keep my sexuality a secret and she infers that, like, Sayaka must also have, like, a girl she likes, and Sayaka says, like, yeah, I chose this co-ed high school because I thought I'd never fall in love with a girl again after what happened in middle school, but Toko totally, like, blew me away and changed all of that. And Sayaka tells Mia, like, all the reasons she loves Toko and all this, and Mia asks her, like, okay, then why aren't you confessing? And is basically like, well, I'm worried about how she reacts, number one, but... I also know that she can't accept other people in her heart as far as she knows. And I also just don't want to ruin our current relationship. I'm happy enough. And again, as a side note, as she's saying that line, she has this empty coffee cup that she's drinking. And this is like a very like tiny thing, but like these two drips of coffee slide down the side of the cup and go separate ways as if there is a barrier in between them, which is just more barrier imagery that I thought was like really like cute and interesting like put in there spot on yeah and so mm-hmm. Sayaka asks if it's wrong to hide her true feelings to stay by her side and as she's saying she's hiding her true feelings her face is obscured by this foreground like coffee thing again just more really smart meaningful cinematography and then oh,
0: also what what was that coffee thing she was using
2: oh do you know about those cat like I don't know what they're called like the big like Erlenmeyer flasks that you make coffee in I don't know but like, yeah. uh, are you talking about like how a
1: it Yeah. I, I no, wasn't paying too much attention.
0: It might have been it brewed a Chemex. was because the water was on the bottom underneath everything. Yeah. And she heated it and it went up through a Oh, tube. and it came up? Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. cool. Okay. Really so, cool.
1: So like I have one of those and mine is a lot of them are – they're called stovetop coffee makers usually
3: mm-hmm.
1: and um, a lot of them that we use at least in the States are like – hispanic inspired and and you make like almost espresso it makes like almost say the closest thing that you can get to an espresso without buying an espresso maker that's the way i would describe it gotcha it's a very concentrated um shot of coffee that has a little cream on top um because because it's pressurized when it goes up like that
2: yeah
0: Oh, okay. That's I cool. was like, wait, mm-hmm. how is it more espresso like but being pressurized makes? <clears throat> yeah. Makes more sense. Yeah. Like you're I a French
1: coffee expert yeah. here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like I got a French press, but that's nothing really fancy. So. <laughs> yeah.
2: so, uh, yeah, Mia tells Sayaka like you're very kind for putting aside your feelings and being Toko's friend cuz Toko clearly wants to just be friends right now. And she, like, gives her some free coffee. Like, she says this is on the on the house, like, to ease her stressed-out heart, kind of. But, yeah, in the end, there's this kind of nice scene where back in the classroom, Toko just, like, turns to Sayaka and is like, you know, if it wasn't for you, I would slack off, like, way more easily. Like, you are the one who pushes me to be, like, the perfect version of myself that I envision. And I'm always going to rely on you for that. And Sayaka's, like, really, like taken away by this and then she's like they're walking down the hall and she's like i'm not ready for things to change just yet basically but uh yeah i really mm-hmm. liked this episode for getting into sayaka's character understanding her role in this little triangle uh really like helped and i also really liked seeing that relationship between riko and And Mia, and it's something that Sayaka really needed to see to understand that, like, this isn't some unattainable thing. Like, this is something that happens. It's not a class S phase. Like, people really do have relationships and they work into adulthood. They may not be perfect. Exactly. But they work. Yeah.
1: Well, because no relationship is. But, yeah, like, there's a future for her. Like, the fact that she is only attracted to women doesn't mean that she's doomed for life. Right. It's good for her to see that.
2: Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. What an episode. Any any other thoughts on this one? Mm. I
1: just really like the whole dynamic of this episode. I did see a lot of people commenting on this episode Mm -hmm. that they were irritated that there were so many gay characters in it because it didn't make sense. They were like, there wouldn't be that many gay people in one high school. And like, I thought it was hilarious because like they've done scientific studies and they estimate that like between five and 10% of the population is either bisexual or gay. (laughs) And so like the idea that like five people in the same high school being gay is so that would never happen. is like hilarious.
2: Yeah, no, for sure.
1: I think you just don't know of them doesn't mean they don't exist
0: yeah that's totally true so uh the only thing i'll add is i watched episode one and two for when we started this new season mm-hmm. and then i skipped straight to seven. Oh yeah and the transition was pretty fine and flawless i didn't feel like i missed anything i think the only thing you really missed
2: was episode six like for the most part because like i because yeah.
0: i missed toka's yeah, History, that, right? That, that episode yeah, yeah. was really mm-hmm. important.
2: Uh, there were some interesting things in the intermediary episodes, but like I feel like one, two, and six are like actually a really easy way okay. to get into this. Yeah, so, yeah. so, I'm just
0: saying, if listeners were not following it and they do decide to follow it, that like it's not, it's it wasn't hard to just skip some episodes if you're lacking the time, right? But yeah, good And that, that, that's really all I have to add. All right. Well, then if we're done, uh, Leo, why don't you take us out? Cool. Okay. Of course, we always thank everybody for listening because we like followers. (laughs) And (laughs) remember to like, follow, and subscribe to us on YouTube to get updates on new podcasts or videos. You can also find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And you can follow us on Twitter and for other updates as well. Um, We're also on... Spotify. Other things. Discord. Spotify. Spotify. yes. Spotify. We're, we have a Discord we're also. We're also on
1: Discord. Yeah,
2: yes. Discord at and Other Nonsense. Link in the video description and the podcast feed.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. So everybody, with that, we will see everybody next time. Later. Peace.
1: Yeah. Bye.